Um, Matthew 5, 46 and 47 says, if we only love those who love us back, that, that's nothing. <laughs> it says even the Gentiles do that. They were the unbelievers then. So, you know, it doesn't take the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which we have as believers. We don't need that power to just love people that are nice to us. Yeah, I got one person over there that likes this. We have to get all the I can't thinking out of our head. It's not I can't love you. If Jesus told me to love you, then I can love you. I may not know how to do it yet. But I have, I have the power, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit to do everything that God has commanded you to do. You can do it. And furthermore, we are here to represent God. That's the whole reason why he left us here. If God didn't have a purpose for us here after we're born again, he would just beam us up and we could miss the whole mess. But we're here because the Bible says that we are God's personal representatives. Now get this. The Amplified says he is making his appeal to the world through us. So people are supposed to look at us and see how God is. And that's supposed to make them thirsty. We're salt. And it's supposed to pierce the darkness in their life. We are light. And so the Bible says in, in Matthew that when we love our enemies and those who are mean to us and abusive to us, that we do it to show that we are like our Father in heaven. God will never ask us to forgive somebody else for more than what he's forgiven us for. You say, yeah, but this person just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. Well, so what do you think the next time you say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry? Do you, do you think that they have a little counsel in heaven? Now, you know, they have done this over and over and over and over again. And I'm just, I just don't know that I can forgive them one more time. No. Peter said, maybe I can handle seven, up to seven times, Lord. <laughs> and he gave a figure that's really just a bunch of God's perfect numbers, seven times 70. So, you know, here we're already at 490. And really, it just simply means however much it takes. Remember, it's actually more for you than it is for your enemy. It is more for you than it is for your enemy. Because here's the thing. I saw this in a movie not too long ago, and it just really struck me. This person had just been so unbelievably mistreated, and they forgave the person that had hurt them. And it was a man who'd been hurt so bad, and so he, they were married now, and his wife said to him, how can you possibly forgive them? And he said, well, if you forgive... You only have to forgive once, and it's over. But if you hate, you have to do that all day long, every day of your life. 
So I think there's a few folks here, and maybe a whole bunch that will watch this by television, that you got some stuff that's really hurting you, and you need to get it taken care of. Let God help you get it taken care of. You know, maybe somebody hurt you, they're not in your life anymore, and you don't have to put up with them, so maybe getting over it wouldn't be quite as hard. What if it's somebody that at work or somebody that you still got to be around, somebody that you got to deal with? Now it gets a whole lot harder. But we have as much of the Holy Spirit as we need to help us do everything that we need to do. Amen? Now, I don't think... I don't think that anybody is a real Christian. They might have a bumper sticker on their car or a fish or wear a cross around their neck or go to church every Sunday. But I don't know that I personally, with the experience I've had with God all these years, I don't know that I can say that I believe that a person is a real Christian if they're not at some point in time in their spiritual growth going to get around to realizing the importance of loving other people. Because it is all over the Bible. You say, well, yeah, but my salvation is not based on me loving other people. Well, no, it's not. (laughs) It's definitely not. But there's a scripture in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, that we either need to pay attention to, or I, I don't know, you know. Listen to this, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is, and it springs from God. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten and born of God. So he who loves his fellow man is born of God and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and a clearer knowledge of him. Now, verse 8. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. can go to church, and I I can have a knowledge, I I can believe Jesus died on the cross for me, but to know God, and you know, the apostle Paul prayed, and this is a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he said, my determined purpose is to know him, to know God, to know his character, to hang out with God to do life with God, to have an intimacy and a friendship with God. That's what we need. That's what we want. Not just to go to church and go home and be the same and never change. But it's that relationship with God that Jesus died for us to have. And in order to have that, once we're born again, once we believe in Jesus and we receive him, then the rest of our life should be spent on spiritual maturity. And becoming more and more and more and more and more deeply and intimately acquainted with God. I want to know God and be like Him. Amen? And so He says, if you don't know love, then you don't know me. Because I am love. So I think we can say, the more we learn how to love, the more we're going to learn about God. And I want closeness with God. I want an intimacy with God. And we know that the Bible says 
that if you won't forgive those who have hurt you, then neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Now that's kind of scary. I wonder how many people there are running around that are pretty sure their sins have been forgiven, but they're mad at half of the world. And I think if we harbor bad feelings towards somebody else, whether it's for an hour or a day or 25 years, what we're doing is we're putting something between us and God. No wonder he says, a new commandment I give unto you. This sums up all the law and all the prophets. You focus on this one. You do this one, and you're going to keep all the others. <laughs> Love one another just as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Let's major in love. I got all started up about this many years ago and I thought we need a we need a revolution of love. So I've got access to a lot of people. I'm getting full of myself. I'm thinking I'm gonna start a revolution of love. I wrote a book and we had a plan and we had a program and it was the worst selling book I have ever written in my whole life. It was pitiful. And I thought what? But you know what? Here's the bottom line. The book didn't sell that well because it's not a subject that people are that interested in. Now, you put out a book on 10 steps to success. But what kind of success do we want to be? Do we want to be an earthly success or, or do we want to be a success spiritually? Do we want to be well-known in the earth or well-known in heaven? Amen? So, yes, the book is still available, and we probably don't even have any with us, but I dare you to get online and get it. Anyway. Now, here's a great scripture. If you think that you cannot love people, and I just cannot love them the way they are. I mean, I just can't. God, you've got to change them if you want me to love them. One more scripture that I'm going to point to. Romans 5, 8. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. doesn't say, once we got ourselves all cleaned up. Oh my gosh, the thing that is so inviting about Jesus is I can stand here tonight and tell people, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done, no matter how deep of a pit you're in, God will take you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. He doesn't want us to stay that way. God loves us too much to let us stay that way. And we need to change. And yes, there are people in our lives that need to change. But sadly, many of them are never going to. If all we do is build walls and shut them out and stay angry at them and get bitter and resentful. You know, we talk about sacrifice. 
And some of us just need to sacrifice a little bit of our personal comfort, maybe, just to be around somebody that maybe is not all that easy to be around with. question to put out to you, because I, you know, God's asking me this, so I'll just, I'll just share with you. Are the people that you're having a hard time loving, are they really that bad, or are you just maybe a little too picky? things in one hour than most people could do in a week. And, uh, I mean, I think fast, I make fast decisions, I move fast, so I, I just don't do slow people real well. So, <laughs> never mind, they're, you know, usually not a lot nicer than me, you know. But anyway, the point is, is so I'm just giving you that as an example, is that, you know, I can get impatient. And it's not, I got some self-control now. I don't just like, you know, rail all over everybody. But inside, I'm like, how many of you at least, how many in the building have at least learned to keep it inside? But see, I'm wanting to get to the point where it's not there. I don't want to have to swallow it down. I want to... I just don't want it to be there. And yes, we're growing, we're changing, and we go from glory to glory, and thank God we're not what we used to be, and I'm, you know, I'm happy for the growth, but... So really, I have to ask myself, well, is there something wrong with them because they're moving slower? <laughs> Come on now, or is there something wrong with me that I'm moving a little too fast. Now, I know another somebody. This is not me, but another somebody. And they don't do well with trying to teach people things. Well, you saw me do it. Why didn't you get it? Well, I told you once. How many times I got to tell you? Well, I told you what to do, and you still did it wrong. And so this person is just not a very good teacher because, and here it comes, they expect everybody to learn as fast as they do. But everybody don't. And the thing we got to realize is if you have a quick brain, it's because God gave it to you. It's not because you're better than or smarter than or above. You got it as a gift from God, and he gave it to you for a purpose, but the purpose was not to look down on other people who aren't like you. Well, if people would just do what you want them to do, everything would run smoothly. But we know that's not always the case. 
Today we're offering you how to love people that are hard to love. It's a single teaching, and we're offering it to you as a free gift today. You can call or go online and download the teaching. I think you're really going to enjoy this teaching, and who would not want to get a free gift? Have a great day, and remember, be kind to everybody you meet. I wish that the Bible said, love the people that are lovable, but it doesn't. We have to somehow learn how to love people that are very difficult to love. Today, we're offering you the entire teaching on how to love people that are hard to love on CD for free. In this teaching, Joyce gives nine practical ways to help us achieve victory in our life. Things like invoking blessings on others, covering up failures, and much more. You can get this free teaching by calling 1-800-727-9673 or visit us at JoyceMeyer.org. It's also available as a digital download. I have a story of one of my girls that took um, Joyce books to school and she was reading them in school. And the Muslim a girl, they take the books from Mary and hide somewhere and read it. And at the end of the day, they give it back to her. The next morning, they take it again. They take another book and read it, and they give it back to her at the end of the day. Uh, obviously, because they're not allowed to have it at home. But books are very easy to uh, to handle in Egypt. But they cannot watch her on TV, because if she's on TV, like the family would know what they are doing. But they can read books in secret. Christmas gifts, but how would you feel about finding a beautiful gift that they will appreciate and will help people for generations? After all, it's never too early to start thinking about helping others, and you can check some gifts off your list at the same time with the Hand of Hope Christmas Catalog. You can give a gift in their name to help make this holiday season a little brighter for someone else. Fill a hungry belly through our feeding programs. Refresh an entire village by providing clean water. Transform a child's future through education. Support girls and women around the world through Project Girl. Or ease physical suffering through our medical and dental outreaches. Give a gift that will touch the hearts of people in need with the Hand of Hope Christmas Catalog. Go to JoyceMeyer.org slash Christmas and make a world of difference.
Color Conference Green Room. I know you're going to love this conversation as much as I did. Chatting candidly about life. I mean, I'm sure a lot of women deal with this. Yes. It's just not yes. something that is widely yes. talked about. We literally used to hear gunfire every single night. Family and ministry. You can't define yourself by what you do, or else it begs the question, who are you when you're not doing it? I think one of the great keys to our successful marriage is daily choice. Color Green Room on the Hillsong Channel. The Hillsong Channel. Welcome home. I'm Brian Houston. Let's talk. All right, Lord, I want to use every gift you gave me. You are watching Steve. We have loads coming up in today's show. Welcome, everybody, from wherever you're watching. And today is our day. So, we are talking about the heart. I was just with comparison. You don't want to miss a moment of this exclusive coverage. If men and women work together cooperatively, that's where God's image is best expressed. Everybody has stories of loss, but they can't stop us from moving forward. I want to encourage you to stand tall. Many times we get the question, you know, young people say, how do I find the right person? My answer is run for God. Go ahead. This is what he is in. He's the one who spoke and the universe came. The church is advancing. God's protection is on. Yeah! We've got you covered on the Hillsong Channel. on you is greater 
than the resource available to you. Could it be that if God's presence is inside of you, you have unlimited resource? But just when your lights go out, you no longer can access what's available to you? Because as God's child, let me tell you something, you are never going to be in a situation where the demands placed upon you exceed the resources available to you. Never. So I want to talk about number two, essential oils. Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives. Now, now why does it need to be specified what kind of oil should be brought to burn in the lamps that illuminate the place of promised presence? I'm going to tell you why. The, the light is only as good as the fuel that creates it. And that's the final thing I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about pressing thoughts. Pressing thoughts. Pressing thoughts. See, it, it, it's one thing to want a light that shines. How many don't want to burn out? Come on, raise your hand if you don't want to burn out. I don't want where I am at in life right now to be the highest point I'm ever going to be at. I don't want that. I don't care if I'm 73 or whether I'm 13. I, I want to burn bright. I want to burn out. It's better to burn out than to fade away. No, it's better to keep burning. Better to burn on. Burn on. That could be a whole series, couldn't it? Burn on, my brother. Tell the person next to you, burn on, brother. Unless they're female. Then modify accordingly. Think on your feet, people. I can't do everything. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is... whatever is lovely... Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Could it be that what's represented in Exodus 27 is a good model for our thought process as we engage God? Could it be that God wants us to learn how to get past our first impressions of how we feel and what we think and what we want and press the olives until the oil flows out in a pure way? Could it be that the reason your, light, your lamp has stopped burning is because the oil that you put in it is not pure? Listen to me, church. The quality of your joy cannot exceed the purity of your thoughts. I'll join you. You can't live better consistently than you think. And when I read the verse, I quit thinking about olives altogether. And I started thinking about my mind. Because I don't have an olive press at home. I don't even like olives. I think they're disgusting. <laughs> We're not eating them today. We're just getting oil out of them for the lamp. And we need a certain kind of oil. We need a certain kind of joy. We need a certain kind of motivation. We need a certain kind of passion. What kind? Pure oil. Essential oil. The oil of, of, of joy. The, 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 the oil of the Spirit of God. You know, oil in the Scripture always represents the Spirit. And God says, I put my spirit in you, but for it to flow in your life, there's got to be a pressing. A pressing. And not just any kind of pressing. See, there, there's two ways to press olives, in case you want to try. You can press olives in, in the mill where you just run them through the machine. I studied this this week because I wanted to understand how you would get pure oil as opposed to impure oil. If you get oil, oil in the lamp, 
that has all of the pulp of the olive, then there will be all kinds of smoke when you burn it. My, my dad used to tell me a story. He told it to me a few times about when he was young and they took one of their parents' cars without permission and they wanted to put gas back in it so they wouldn't know that they had taken it and they didn't know the difference between diesel fuel and regular fuel and the diesel fuel was cheaper so they put the diesel how many know it matters what you fill up with sometimes it's a better idea to pay a few more cents on the gallon and get the good stuff. And God says to you today, it does matter what you put in your lamp. It does matter what you put in your heart. It does matter how you process your thoughts. Because I'm going to tell you something. We started off the year studying about John 15 and the grapevine and the pruning. You remember this? He takes every branch that bears fruit and he prunes it. And I don't care whether you're talking about an olive vine or a grapevine. It has to be pruned. God has to take stuff out of our lives. God has to take stuff off of our mind. It's the only way we grow. But I want to preach part two as I close this series. After it's pruned, it's got to be pressed. You're not getting any oil from unpressed olives. Not any pure oil anyway. So, so they have two processes. They have, a, they have a, a, a crushing process where they run the oil through the mill, the olives through the mill, and they come out with oil. They come out with oil, but it's not pure oil. What it is, is it's all of the crushed up parts of the olive, and so out of it you get, you know, maybe one part oil, ten parts olive. And it's quicker that way. It's quicker that way to just run it through the mill, just automatic, run it through the mill. You can crush so many more olives at a time running it through that way, and you'll get some oil. But when you put it in a lamp, it won't last long. Life is like that. You can just think whatever you think, do whatever you do. I'm on autopilot, just run it through the system. Here comes a negative thought, cool, I'm going to have a bad day. Here, you, can, you can live like that. It is your prerogative, and for many of us, it's our habit. It's our pattern, one preacher said. diesel fuel in your Ferrari. Because the more expensive the car, the better the oil has to be. The, the better the fuel has to be. The more important God's calling on your life. You were bought with a price. You need the good oil. Only the best for God's tabernacle. Only the best for the lamps outside of the place of His promised presence. And so here, here's how you do that. If you want to do that, you got to press the olives. You don't crush them in the middle. You press them by hand. I was picturing this like I was just going to bang the microphone, but it's expensive. So just, you know. You know how much longer that takes to hand press the olives? You know how much more effort it is to hand press your thoughts? to hand-press your motivations, to hand-press your situation and say, where, where is God working in this? To press it by hand. But oh, do you know how much better the oil is when you do it that way? How much purer, how much brighter the light is when you press 
the olive by hand. When you take the time, see, you, you press the olive, that's what you do. Oh, God, I don't have time. I can't tell them. I can't tell them. They have to get it online or something. Okay. God made his light shine out of darkness, given us his light in our hearts. That's the first part of Second Corinthians, but it, a few verses later, Paul says, Second Corinthians 4, we are pressed, but not crushed. We are pressed, but not crushed. Now that seems like the same process. But one is done by hand. Paul said, even when my life is being squeezed so hard, I realize that what's going to come out of me because of what happened to me was under the hand of God. It was God's hand. And it, it changes how you face your problem. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. No, to be crushed would mean that my life is just going through the machine. But to be pressed, that means God knows there's oil in me. That means God knows there's preciousness in me. And the only way for him to get it out is for me to be pressed, pressed. Pressed. He's not crushing you. He's pressing you because of what's in you. He's not concerned about what's on you. He's trying to get past that surface layer. And the seed inside contains very precious oil. But what's precious must be pressed out. You want, you want me to teach a five-minute seminar on how to press your thoughts or you want to go? All right, let's press our thoughts real quick. You've got to look for the stuff in your thoughts that is not pure and press it out. In fact, it's that pure beaten olive oil. Sometimes you've got to beat it out. Yeah. Make the finance department nervous. Make the sound engineers cringe. So I'm about to beat it. To the spirit of Michael Jackson coming upon me, I'm about to beat it. I call this message beating burnout for a reason. Because if you're going to beat it, you got to beat it out. Beat out the stuff. They, they would take the olives, Robert. You got to go read this. It's so cool. Isn't this cool? They would take the olives. Robert's my friend. We always talk about the Bible, and, and we're talking about it like I like to, I like to talk to him about it because he, he'll ask the real questions, and not all this churchy crap, but he'll ask the real questions. So what they would do, they'd take the olive, and they'd press it, and then they, they would put it in a basket, right? And they would let the oil drip from the bottom of the basket, and they would catch what was dripping from the bottom, and they would take the pulp that was left in the basket that wasn't useful that they had pressed and they'd take the pulp and remove it from the precious oil and the precious oil was what was left in the basket that would drip down and that's what they would put in the lamp so it would burn bright and that's what you gotta do in your life you gotta get a basket where you press out the stuff that's not helpful and take out the pulp that's not positive and, and I'm using a lot of peace just to say you gotta beat it out so you don't burn out so you got to look for the pulp. What's the pulp? Okay, just four categories. There are 12 that I studied. We'll do four. It's going to be quick. It's going to be quick. Misinterpretation. 
misinterpretation. A lot of the reason we don't have pure joy is because we misinterpret the circumstances of our life. You know, I'm convinced with every year I live and everything that I go through and everything that I survive, that if you're really convinced that God is for you, you won't be intimidated by what comes against you nearly as much. If you really believe, now if you don't believe it, it's just rhetoric. But if you really think, I'm on the same side with God, He is my offensive line. If you believe that, there's no way that you can spend your whole day hopeless. There's no way. You can have moments of that, but you'll eventually press that out. And so you look at situations, and sometimes we misinterpret. You know, we think that somebody doesn't like us. No, they don't like them. You're misinterpreting their misery and owning it as your own. And you're upset over the way they treated you, but the way that they treated you is a reflection of how somebody treated them and now how they're treating themselves. Why are you going to misinterpret their misery as a reason for you to be miserable? You see what I'm saying? And I could preach the whole sermon on that, Tom, but we misinterpret things. I'm going to do a sermon one day called The Gift of Interpretation and teach out just the way that you interpret has everything to do with the way that you experience your life. Drawing thought bubbles over people. An, an interpretation of their silence. Anyway, that's one. Now press that out. This one's big. Overgeneralization. This is this is when you take one thing that happened and make a statement out of it as if it is a reflection of your entire reality. So, you know, nobody ever wants to go out with me. No, one girl turns you down. Just one. There's others. I have to lower your standards a little bit, but, you know, you can get it started. <laughs> hey, helping people. I want to keep it real. Overgeneralization. This always happens to me. No, nope, no, nope, totally doesn't. Happened once this week. Hadn't happened in, like, three weeks before that. It's the story of my life. No. No, it's really not. The story of your life is God has been good to you. The story of your life is you shouldn't even be here. The story of your life is if it had not been. You're going to overgeneralize anything. Overgeneralize the goodness of God. Not the hardships of life. Keep going. Obligation. This is when you've got to rather than you get to. And it'll take your joy. And you won't have pure oil if you do it out of obligation. When, when I'm really at my best preaching is when I am seeing it as a privilege. When I come up in here or anywhere I go and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. Man, there's nothing pure going to flow from that. We'll get the job done, but it, it'll be a lot of smoke more than light. If I come in here like, man, thank you, Jesus, I get to preach today. You know, I got I to gotta go preach this week, but why would I say I got to go preach this week when the reality is I get to go preach this week? I'm going to Seattle this week. Do I got to? No, I get to. I'm going to Oklahoma next week. I know it's going to be kind of busy, but I don't got to. I get to. There was a time when if I could have had any little audience to preach to, and now I'm going to get to the point where I'm talking about I got to? To hell with the devil. I get to. Press. You gotta 
psychologists call disqualification. When you disqualify every positive thing that happens to you because you really don't believe that you're worthy of love. You, you disqualify. You disqualify the nice things that some people say about you because you convince yourself, well, they didn't really mean it. Now, that happens to me when I preach all the time. Holly will go, that was a great message. And I'll think, eh, she has to say that. She just wants me to go home in a good mood. She's, you know, my wife. Is that the way to look at it? Or, or is it like if the woman who lives with me wants to hear what I have to say, that's a success no matter what hateful Harry thought about the sermon online on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. You've got to press your thoughts. Somebody gives you a compliment. Oh, they're just saying that. They're just being nice. And you, and you wonder why you're discouraged when you're not even taking the oil that God is trying to give? There, there's too much pulp in our basket. There's too many lies we believe. And you can't have lasting light without pure oil. And you can't have pure oil without pressed olives. And I know it to be true. Oh, by the way, if you put all those four things together, maybe this will help you remember it. It spells something that's very pertinent to our series. That when we want to learn to understand what's going on inside of us, we've got to press our thought. We've got to press against. We've got we to gotta be. I know you've got some discouraging thoughts. I know you've got some defeating thoughts. I know you've got some negative things to process. We all do. But, but I believe you can beat it. I know depression. I know despair. I've been there. I've experienced it. I felt it wrap itself around me and drape itself on me. But I wanted to let you know you can beat it. In Jesus' name, you anoint people you do it with oil 
You know how you get oil? You press olives. Do you really want God to use your life? Do you really want his presence to flow? It's going to take a pressing. You see? And he's anointed me not just to do some things, but he's anointed me to do specific things. Proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness. To bring out the people who were enslaved in Egypt and to bring them into the light. To bring the right light on your situation. Release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. This is what Jesus does. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty. I speak this blessing over your life as we close one series. Instead of ashes and the oil of joy. That stuff that drips down out the bottom of the basket. Hey. Joy doesn't always come in a downpour. Sometimes it comes in a drip. And you've got to be there to catch it after it's been pressed. Drops of joy. Drops of joy. Oh, I believe drops of joy are falling today from the pressings of life. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called What's that? Oaks. What do you know about oak trees? What do you know about oak trees? What do you know about oak trees? Come on, let's bring the series together. If we're going to close it, let's close it out right. I want to be a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Now, God says to somebody today, I know you're being pressed, but I'm not crushing you. I'm pressing you because something precious is in you. And the only way to produce it is to press it. For years, I didn't understand the connection between my faith and my feelings. I thought the two had nothing to do with each other right. or almost they were opposite. Right. It doesn't matter what you feel. Trust God. It doesn't yep. matter what you feel. Have faith. Well, it matters what you feel because right. if you're always feeling discouraged, if you never have any energy, if you're always thinking about what's going to happen bad in the future, it's very hard for you to trust God in the present. Yeah. This is a resource today that I want to offer to you called Mood Swingers. I love the title because it lets me know I can take action right. on my attitude. Yeah. I don't have to just accept it. I don't have to get up in the morning and feel one way and stay that way the whole day. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go along with every impulse or thought that comes through my mind. Through God's Word, I can take control of my emotions. That's what this resource is about, and I want you to yes. call and request it yes. today. This is a series that is really going to help you step into a joy that isn't dependent on the circumstances that are surrounding you. These are the lessons I had to learn personally. Yes. I'm not always a naturally happy person. Do not shake your head at that. I mean, <laughs> this is what I have to fight through, and I shared it through the lens of how do I take where I start emotionally and get to where God wants me to be so I can do what he's called me to do. So I can yes. be the family member I want to be, the friend yes. I want to be, and see what God has in store for my life. Yes. I want you to call right now and say, I want my copy of Mood Swingers. Say it just like that, too. I want my copy of Mood, Mood Swingers. Swingers. Or you can go online, and it's yours with a gift of any amount to the ministry today. We appreciate your partnership. Can't wait to get these teachings into your hands and your heart. God bless you. 
somebody was telling me that this sermon series title didn't sound very deep. It sounds gimmicky. What do moods have to do with God? Moods matter. If what you believe about God doesn't affect the way you feel about life, do you really believe in God? Your faith either affects your feelings or your feelings affect your faith, but you cannot separate your feelings from your faith. We'll do all kinds of stuff to try to protect our lives, and we'll be very guarded in certain ways, and we'll be very careful in certain ways, but we let stuff in our heart. We let our guards out, and then we let our thoughts run wild, and then we wonder, why am I miserable? Why am I selfish? Why am I irritable? Why am I so annoyed? Why am I so touchy? Why can't I get happy? Why can't I make enough? It's because you let them get in your heart. If your attitude is a byproduct of your circumstance, your emotions will always be out of control. But if your attitude is not a, a result of your circumstance, but it's a result of the character of God, watch what you can do. You can swing that thing in the other direction. We all experience a range of emotions, but you can take control of how you feel. Through Mood Swingers, you will see that what you feel is not final. And with today's special resources, you can take steps towards living a life full of joy. So call or go online to request your copy of Mood Swingers today.
coming November 1. complete you. If you're a single person hoping to get married so that you'll finally feel complete, the scriptures never say that marriage completes you. The scriptures say that God completes you. God is the only firm foundation for contentment. It's only in Christ that we find real contentment. Hi, I'm Paul. Almost 10 years ago, my dad, my hero, my pastor passed away unexpectedly. He built a big church and left some pretty large shoes to fill. When he died, I didn't just lose my dad. I lost my faith. I lost my purpose and my future. But God showed up and restored my faith. And he gave me a message of hope to share with you. You're here on purpose. God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are right in front of you. And you have victory in your life because Jesus lives in you. What do we do between the conception of a desire, in other words, all of a sudden you get this idea, man, as a single, you're thinking, man, it would be awesome to get married. I would love to have a mate. I would love to have a spouse. I would love to have someone to cuddle with, to hold hands with, to kiss. I would love, I mean, those real desires inside you that aren't bad, they're not ungodly. God put a desire inside of all of us to, uh, to, for certain things. But we have to learn where to, where to put those desires and how to uh, uh, keep those desires within the boundaries of where God created them. So Paul writes an entire chapter to a church in Corinth, and they wrote a letter to Paul, and they said, Paul, we don't know what to do with our desires. We're getting all these desires on the inside. We're Christians now. Where does the physical intimacy come into our relationships? What are we supposed to do with the desires for physical intimacy? So... 1 Corinthians 7, Paul writes a whole chapter on it. That's where we're going to camp out today. And verse 1, message version, he says this. Now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it good for people to have sexual relations? Paul says, certainly, but only within a, con uh, a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife, and it's good for a woman to have a husband. Thank God that Paul clears it up for everybody, right? I mean, God defines that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. If God is the foundation for love, then we have to find our definition for love from God. We can't define it ourselves. We were not, we're not the ones who created it. And so when we start trying to take matters into our own hands and get impatient and try to turn our desires, when desires go haywire, that's when chaos ensues. And so Paul says this, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balance and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. What a good scripture, right? Because our world is in, is in chaos about this topic right now. We've got TV shows and media training the next generation how this is supposed to look. This is why I think God wants the whole church to hear this. Because if we don't learn it in the church, we're going to end up learning it from the media. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my son Liam learning sexuality from the media. I want him learning it from the church. I want him hearing about the Word of God. I don't want to tiptoe around scriptures that we need to be preaching to kids and teenagers. Here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. I don't think we acknowledge the fact that desire starts at a young age. 
Like my son Liam is two years old, but he already has strong desires for dun-duns. And it's only a matter of time before the desires for donuts turn into desires for other things. And so we have to learn how to communicate God's teaching on what to do with desires that we don't know how to control. What do we do with desires we don't know how to control? And this is what Paul goes on to say. He says, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to serve the wife. The wife seeking to serve the husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Marriage is about service. It's about servanthood. And Paul's teaching this to this church that doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to handle their desires. And so let's go to verse 7, because he says something that I want to lead into my first point on how to succeed over the struggle. He says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. No amens. <laughs> everyone got silent at that point. They're like, keep going. <laughs> Paul says it's a simpler life in many ways, but... Some of y'all are really thankful for that but right there. Celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. Then he says, God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. You know what Paul's saying here is we're all on the same playing field. We, we need to, as married people and singles, we need to learn to value each other's seasons the same. It's not like single, uh, single life is junior varsity and married life is varsity. We're all on the varsity team. Whether you're single or married, God says everyone is valuable. No matter what season you're in, you don't have to be married to be more important or more valuable in God's eyes. You can be single. I mean, Jesus was single. Hello. He was fulfilled. He was complete. He was whole. He had a purpose. So some of us in this room, we judge the difference between the single life and the married life, and we've said one's more important than the other. God never said that. Our culture just says that. But we've got to go back to the Scripture and go, wait a minute, God values and even sees the single life and the married life both as valuable. In fact, Paul even says when you're single, you're able to spend more time worshiping God and focusing on serving Him. But he says marriage is not bad, and marriage is not a bad decision. And, and so the first step that I think we need to get to is, number one, contentment is key. If you're going to succeed over the struggle, you're going to have to get to this place where contentment is key. Now, our world tries to misplace where we're going to find contentment. The world says you can only be content, and the word contentment means happy. It means at peace. It means satisfied. It means fulfilled, a whole and the world says you can only be content when you're in a relationship. You can only be content when you get your desires met. And so we go searching and seeking to find someone to satisfy our desires, thinking that they're going to make us whole. Can I just say this? Marriage does not complete you. If you're a single person hoping to get married so that you'll finally feel complete, the Scriptures never say that marriage completes you. The Scriptures say that God completes you. God is the only firm foundation for contentment. It's only in Christ that we find real contentment. And so we can be happy even when we don't have our desires met. We can be at peace and fulfilled even when our desires aren't being met. Some of us in this room, we're allowing our desires to control us instead of controlling our desires because we've placed our contentment in the wrong place. When I went to ORU, I was 19 years old, and I was single, and, man, I was looking for the one. 
I was wondering who's going to be my wife, who is the one out there. And so I couldn't be happy. I was every day, everywhere I walked, in my classes, through the prayer gardens, in chapel, in church services, I was looking around going, is she the one? Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Is she the one? You know, I was like, I was halfway worshiping and halfway searching for someone that was going to complete me. And after a year and a half of, of being in this thirsty lifestyle, trying to find my satisfaction from a person, and praise God, can I just say, I was able to wait till my wedding day. God has the grace to help singles in the room to wait till your wedding day. If that's the only thing you get from this sermon, God wants you to have the grace. He has it for you to wait till your wedding. But I was searching for contentment, and God said, Paul, you've got the search all wrong. You're looking for the one, but the one has been in your life all through your life. God said, I'm your number one. You should be searching for number two. Until you allow God to be number one and find your soul sufficiency in Him, you'll always come up lacking in any relationship you're in. This is why married couples have a hard time, because we're trying to squeeze something out of a human that only God can bring to us. If you go into marriage hoping that your spouse, your husband, is going to meet every single emotional and physical and spiritual need in your life, you're missing it. If you think your wife is going to meet every single need, she's not. She's not supposed to. It's not fair to force a human being to be something that only God can be in your life. God is the source for real contentment. And when you get content in Christ alone, you're able to enter into marriage not as a half but as a whole, as a complete person saying, I found, see when Ashley and I got married, we had two candles. Both of them were lit. But we brought them to the center to light the center candle, two becoming one, that God would be the head of our marriage. It's only in Christ that we find real contentment. I think an enemy to contentment is comparison. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, same chapter, a few scriptures later. He says, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. We're going to stop right there. Paul says, listen. Contentment comes when you stop comparing what other people are doing and where other people are at. I think the hardest part for me when, when I was single was watching my friends get married. You know, I was always the groomsman and never the groom. I was watching my friends get, get their dreams and their desires fulfilled, and I was frustrated. I mean, I was, I was, I was feeling this, this tension on the inside going, God, I know the desire to get married is not a bad desire. But for some reason, it is making me hate the season of life that I'm in right now. And, and you know what God was saying? Paul, stop looking to the left and to the right to find your happiness. You've got to look up above. God says to Paul, through Paul, to the church, stop wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Church, where you are right now, single or married, is God's place for you. It doesn't mean it's a permanent place. When Paul said the gift of singleness and the gift of marriage is given, he wasn't saying these gifts are forever. He's saying right now you have the choice, the gift of choice, to enjoy the season you're in right now. And so he goes on in verse 17, he says, where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. Isn't that a good word, church? Be where you are. Enjoy where you are. Enjoy where you are. And he says, God, not your marital status, 
defines your life. God completes us. God defines who we are. Not a boyfriend, not a girlfriend, not a spouse, but God. God alone. Verse 9, and this will lead us to our second point. Verse 9 of chapter 7. He says, but if they can't control themselves, and they here, he's referring to unmarried people. If they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Now, I'm about to get into part of this topic, and y'all know I'm a conservative preacher, right? But I've got to tackle something that he's talking about here. So we're going to talk about this for a second. Paul says it's better to marry than it is to burn with lust. And Paul's talking about a fire. I've got a little fire with me up here on stage, a little candle, a little illustrated sermon. Hopefully it'll work. Nice. Give the candle a big hand. Paul's referring to a fire of desire inside of us. There is a fire of desire inside of you. And if you're not careful, you can let it burn you instead of help you to be what God's called you to be. A fire is good in the right place. So number two, here's the second point on succeeding over the struggle. Fire is good in the right place. Did you know that God created sex? How many of y'all think that whatever God created, it's good? Can we just get the tension out of the room and just recognize sex is good, it's not a bad thing, but it's meant to be used in the right place, inside the covenant of marriage, and if we don't teach this in the church, they're going to learn it in the locker room, so can we please start teaching this better in the church and stop ignoring the tough topics? Singles, before you jump into a relationship with that guy, let God clean him up. Girls, you weren't meant to be the cleaner in the relationship. Only God can clean him. Only God can clean her. There's a reason why he hasn't sat you at the table yet. It's not because he's trying to rob you of your desire. It's because he's trying to save you from getting burned by the fire. God intended our relationships to be filled with love, joy, and purpose. But life can get busy with all our activities and multiple to-do lists. And we forget to take time for the ones closest to us. Sometimes we just need to stop and hit the refresh button. With Pastor Paul's new His and Her Relationship Refresh Book, you'll be able to do just that. 30 days of scriptures, specific prayers, and unique and fun challenges will help set you on course to strengthen your relationship and encourage your love for each other. Every scripture and prayer in this free relationship set will give you the tools you need to pray out God's heart for your loved ones. And each unique challenge, from fun date ideas to simple activities to funny conversation starters, will bring you closer together and renew the joy in your relationship. So what are you waiting for? It's time for a refresh. Call 1-800-760-2360 or go online to pauldoherty.org to receive yours free today. And you know what Paul says? He says, you're not alone in this, singles. You're not alone. In fact, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, 29, Paul says, I burn too. Who is not tempted? And I'm not tempted too. Who doesn't burn and I don't burn as well? Paul's saying, I understand the struggle. You're not alone in this. I think we just need to identify, even married people in the room, sometimes for us, the struggle is real too. And if we're not careful, we'll take the fire into the wrong place. Even married people. 
if you're not finding your physical intimacy with your spouse, you can become tempted to take the fire someone else, somewhere else. As singles, if we don't know how to start the fire, where to start the fire, when to start the fire, we can unintentionally start the fire in the wrong place at the wrong time. And a good thing becomes a bad thing when we do it at the wrong time. Sex is good, but it's meant for marriage. And if we take it outside of marriage, it becomes bad. Right? It's a good place to say amen. Fire is good in the right place. The same fire that we use to light a candle that brings light to a dark room. And the same fire we use to light a fireplace to bring warmth to your house or apartment can also become destructive when it's lit in an open field with no boundaries can become destructive when it's lit in a forest of Colorado. The same fire we use to warm ourselves is burning houses down and forests down in California. Fire really equals passion. Passion. Passion is not bad, but passion needs parameters. Passion needs patience. If you have passion but you don't have patience, you end up making impulsive decisions that lead to regrets. And so we have people getting pregnant out of marriage, and we have people uh, uh, having affairs and adultery and getting into pornography, and they're burning houses down because they don't know where to start the fire. They don't know how to set the boundaries around the fire. And we need this message, man. Paul goes on to say, he, he says, listen, if you don't know what to do, don't just burn, but wait to get married. Wait to get married at the right time. Let's talk about what happens when we don't know how to control the fire. James Chapter 1 says this. He says, when lust takes over, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Lust, sin, death. L-S-D. The dangerous form of destroying your life. God has a plan for the desires of your heart. He wouldn't put a desire inside you that he plans to rob you of. But he's asking if you'll be patient to wait. Because when we don't, we give birth to lust, and lust gives birth to sin, and the, the final result of sin when we don't control it, and praise God for grace. Let me just pause right now. If you've messed up, if you've lost your virginity, if you've committed adultery, if you've done something you're not proud of, the good news is the grace of God is bigger than the sins you've committed. And it's here today to set you free, to give you freedom from that feeling of, uh, 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 of discouragement. You know, the good news is God didn't let David in feeling like a failure. God stamped his approval at the end of David's life and said, this is a man who served me with all of his heart. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. When we give in to false fire, infatuation in Latin actually means false fire. It pretends to be something that it's not. It pretends to give you something, but in turn, it actually destroys you. This is what lust does. Lust promises you everything, but it leaves you with nothing. And so we're emptier after the sex, and we're hungrier, and we're lonelier, and we feel like somehow we've missed out. But we don't have to keep going down that path that leads to more and more emptiness. We can start going down a path of fulfillment. And so number three, to succeed over the struggle, is to build our patience by trusting in God. Build our patience by trusting in God. God. It's just coming to this conclusion. God, you know best. You know when I need, what I need, where I need it, how I need it. God, I can trust you with my life. I can trust you with the desires of my heart. One 
I think measure of trust is how are you treating the season you're in right now? Are you allowing yourself to be content? Are you pursuing God? How are you treating your body? Who are you letting have access to your body? Is the person who you've given access to, do they even care about your destiny or they just care about your body? Singles, is your body a private garden or a public park? Guard your treasure. It's worth the wait. How are you treating yourself? Are you treating yourself as if, man, God has a plan for my life? I don't want to just throw it down the tube. I don't want to just give myself to anyone that's in view. I want to save myself. And if you've made mistakes, the good news is you can get forgiveness and from this day forward say, I'm waiting till my wedding. I am waiting. For the married people in the room, if you've made mistakes, you can say from this day forward, I'm keeping it in the covenant. I'm keeping it in the covenant. I'm keeping it with my spouse. I'm saving it for my honey. I'm saving it for my husband, whoever it is. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy. I'm also talking about emotional intimacy. Because affairs begin oftentimes with the emotions. A text you shouldn't send. A conversation you should have cut off a little bit sooner. Lingering at the office. The people that you're spending extra time with. The, the, the flirtatiousness. God wants us to have the fire, but in the right place. It singles.
to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Declare His glory among all nations. Join us in worship. Worship by Hillsong. Only on the Hillsong channel. Hey, thanks for watching today. Hillsong is all Jesus. The messages, the worship, conferences, each part an expression of who is at the center of all of this. And right now we want to extend a special invitation to you. You're watching today because something deep within you resonates with a cause to bring hope to humanity through the message of Jesus. Now you can accelerate that cause by becoming a Hillsong team member. And as a member of the team, you will receive a subscription box that delivers the best of Hillsong and friends to your door each month. Your subscription to the team box is fun and meaningful and equips you in your journey. But most importantly, your subscription will accelerate the message of Jesus across the globe through the Hillsong channel. There is power and potential by being a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So join the team today. Hillsong.com forward slash team to sign up and get your monthly box. Each month we'll send you a box with items that will help you grow and empower you in your sphere of life. You'll find apparel, worship, downloads, albums, and so much more. And you can't get this exclusive combination of resources any other way. Hillstone Team Box is for all ages, so we want to invite you to journey with us. We want to bless you each and every month. The purpose of the Hillstone Team Box is to touch your life and to reach the world. Together, let's take Jesus into every sphere of life. Join today. 
Hillsong.com forward slash team. When God sees in you where you are, what he needs, he can get you where he wants you fast. refers to the Holy Spirit as a spirit of burning and to Exodus 24:17, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire and when God appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 2 he appeared in come on what kind of bush burning bush John the Baptist promised that the coming of Jesus John said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, again, uh, the key word uh, here is maybe different than purity. Now I'm going to say that the word is uh, purifier. The dove speaks of the purity that the Holy Spirit represents, the standard, and the fire is that purifying effect that the Holy Spirit desires to have upon us. So, look up here. He is sending us the message of our purity before a holy God. The Holy Spirit is our purity. But he's not just a dove, he's a fire. So he's also closing the gap between who we are in God's eyes and who we know ourselves to give this week. Now, anybody, anybody, anybody in church with me? Come on, on a little gap between who God sees me to be in Christ and who I know myself to be. Hands up, gap, people. Right? There's a, there's a gap there. There's a gap there. But the Holy Spirit isn't leaving me there. He is a fire. He is a refining fire, a favorite verse of mine. Maybe because I've lived it so frequently. Job 23.10. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. The idea of the trying there is the refining fire. The, if you've ever seen this, the boiling of the uh, raw gold and the skimming off of the top of the dross itself. It's more and more and more pure gold. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Incredibly, the Holy Spirit is both purity and purifier, dove and fire, the standard and the strength, the standing and the stability. He's all of it. Who God sees me, what he's making me, everything in between. Dove and fire. Two down, three to go. Pictures, pictures of the Holy Spirit. Number three. Oil. 
oil. In the Old Testament, oil was God's calling, God's blessing, God's favor. For example, Aaron, Moses' brother, in Exodus 29, 7, you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. When Samuel anointed David in 1 Samuel 16, in the midst of his brothers, and he poured the oil on the shepherd boy who wasn't even worthy to attend the coronation, and Samuel had to say, nobody sits down, didn't I tell you to bring your, all your sons here, go get the one you left. And that famous verse, 1 Samuel 16, 7, for God sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God, come on, finish it, looks on the heart. They rush David, and they bring David back in, and he's like looking at all of his brothers, and David is anointed there in the midst of his brothers, and that paragraph in 1 Samuel 16, you can check it if you want, but I know that it finishes with this phrase. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Game changer. Game changer. How does that little shepherd guy become a giant killer? How does he become the greatest warrior in the history of the nation of Israel? How does he write the whole 150 psalm book, mostly, in the center of your Bible? And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. After the oil was anointed. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Let me read to you how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing and all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Again, that anointing Holy Spirit. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit from Psalm 133 where it talks about how good it is that the brethren dwell together in unity as it is even like the oil that runs down upon the head of Moses and down upon his beard. This blessing, favor, oil is a picture of blessing and favor because it is a picture of uh, the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, about the oil of gladness with which Jesus was anointed. Um, James chapter 5 talks about if, um, we preached on this in the Breakthrough Prayer series, and if any of is sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And this happens here, and I'm going to ask uh, elders and pastors and even small group leaders who have the faith to do so to come up at the end of this service on all of our campuses, and if anyone is at church today and they're sick, in, in body or sick in mind, you come and ask them, and they will, put, this is just a symbol, and they'll put some oil on your forehead, but it's a symbol of the, say it, the Holy Spirit. They're asking the Holy Spirit to come and heal. They're asking the Holy Spirit to come and change and help and transform. 
how desperately we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the oil is just a picture, the anointing is a picture of that ministry, which we all need so very desperately. Let me just encourage you to do that, okay? Do it. The Bible actually says that you're supposed to call. You've got to be careful here. Why don't you guys promote this more? Why don't you have these big healing services where you tell people, well, because the Bible says that it's the faith of the sick one. And so we could pray and pray and pray and pray. If you don't have, if you don't have faith to believe that it matters. And how many will go back to their cars this weekend, not because they don't need prayer, because they don't have faith to believe that it changes things. So I've come about as close as I can to making it your choice and not our insistence. And I would just invite you to take that opportunity very seriously and know that we would take it as a great privilege. One more on this. Maybe there's somebody in church today whose life seems right now in your health, in your family, in your business, your life seems, listen, the furthest thing from favor and blessing. Remember Joseph? Favorite story. Joseph was a young man who had dreams. And he was um, one of the 12 sons of Jacob and a favorite of his father. And he had some dreams about how God was going to use his life and how things were going to look down the road. And he made the mistake, probably somewhat arrogantly so, and he went and, and told his brothers. They were so offended and so upset that he thought that he had something that they didn't have coming, and they were already resenting the favor that he had from his father, that they took him and beat him and threw him in a pit. And one brother snuck back later, afraid that some wild animals would kill him, and sold him as a slave into Egypt. So here's this late teen, probably adolescent, who finds himself working as a servant in the home of one of the governmental leaders in the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time, and he tried to live pure and tried to live right and tried to do the things that honored God. And you know what happened? The lady in the house tried to seduce him and literally tore the clothes off his back. He said, how can I do this wickedness again? Don't you think he was attracted Don't you think he had some needs he wanted met? But he suppressed his own desires, turned his back on opportunity, and fled the house. And she was so offended, she took the clothes and showed them to her husband. And you can imagine how he felt about the lies he was told. And he took this Joseph with his dreams, and he threw him into prison. And there he sat, one week, one month, filthy, rat-infested sewage running down the hallway, barely a scrap of bread prison. The thing that made David special, the thing that makes us significant, if there's anything in us at all that is even mildly praiseworthy, it's the Spirit of God. additional resources or to request today's message, call 1-800-545-6800 or go to jamesmcdonald.tv. Now stay with us. There's much more teaching ahead from James McDonald here on Walk in the Word. 
I want to challenge you about putting your life in the future. Tomorrow I will, next week I will, next month I will, next year I will. All the things that God promises you and yourself tomorrow. But listen, listen, listen. Today, right now, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and comfort you and direct you and give you joy. When will we stop putting off till tomorrow the things that God wants to give us right now? In a world that worships the self-made man, giving up the driver's seat to anyone, especially the Holy Spirit, is radical thinking. We've seen those people. We might even be them. But when we try navigating life without getting Holy Spirit help, our spiritual engine fails. We have all the Holy Spirit, but when He is not filling us, He does not have all of us, and the engine won't run. To live the Christian life without the filling of the Holy Spirit is absolutely impossible. Let God's Spirit refuel your soul today when you request our new day study. This resource guides you through 30 days of teaching and reflections to learn who the Holy Spirit is and how to renew yourself in Him daily. Included in this study is a foundational message from James McDonald called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit on DVD. Watch his message and learn the difference between having Him and being filled by Him. As an added bonus, you'll also find the music video to Spirit of the Living God on the DVD to stir your faith and encourage your spirit. back from the prison 
said, I know a guy. There was this guy down in the prison. He was really good at dreams. He told me I was going to get my job back, and I did. And he told the other guy that he was going to get home, and he was executed. I was like, yeah, get that guy. And up comes God's dreamer who'd been in a pit and then in a pretty perverse situation and then in a prison. Now he's heading for the palace. This is unbelievable. Genesis 41:14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit and when he had shaved himself, that'd be good for some of you to underline that. Genesis 41:14. quickly brought him out of the pit. No matter where you are, when God sees in you where you are, what he needs. He can get you where he wants you fast. Fast. Like, look where I am. No one knows where I am. I'm forgotten. You're not forgotten. When God sees you where you are and wants what you have, just circle that in your Bible. Make that your own. They quickly brought him out of the pit. Someone say quickly. I'm fired up. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. There's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said that you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Here's your moment. Here it comes. The guy's just been how many months in a filthy prison, and he's in a pagan country, where they worship every god, every bulb, every plant, every doorknob, everything's a god. And so the guy brings him up. He's in the palace in front of the king. And the king says, hey, you're pretty good at interpreting dreams. That, that if a guy's had a dream, and I hear the guy kind of tell him what it means. Joseph says, it's not in me. Couldn't he just say, I'm, I'm decent at it? Couldn't we, we could grant him humility, right? I, I got some gifts. The more you realize that it is from the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Right? I am the Lord, and I do not share my glory with another. God says, right? Get that firmly in mind. Joseph hits a home run the Cubs would be proud of here. Joseph answered, Pharaoh, it is not in me. God, L, a God not on their list. The God of the Bible, the God of creation, the God of the universe, the one true God. Hey, God guy, hey, God king, it isn't me. It's God. No God you've ever heard of. A different God. Because the word God is the translation. You're, we can't see it. But he named a name that had never been named in the palace of Egypt before. He did it. And God gave him favor. So much so that the dream is interpreted. And I just want to read this final verse. Verse 37, 
Joseph gave the dream. He told of the famine. He gave a plan for how it could be handled. And in Genesis 41:37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? What's special about him? Is he, is he smart? Is he good at dream interpreting? Even Pharaoh, even a godless pagan said this. Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? There it is. The thing that made David special. The thing that makes us significant. If there's anything in us at all that is even mildly praiseworthy, it's the spirit of God. We have gifts. We all have gifts. But as Paul said, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you've received it, why would you boast as though you not received it? The Holy Spirit gives us favor. Oil is a picture of that favor, that blessing. So every time you see oil, when you see oil, when you see corn oil in your kitchen, when you see motor oil in your garage, when you see olive oil in a restaurant, think oil, Holy Spirit, blessing, favor from God. Now, some of you need a relationship to turn around. Some of you need a prodigal to come home. Some of you need a business to go a lot better. Some of you need good test results coming up. Some of you need a lot of different things. Only God knows, but I'm going to look across this campus and imagine this congregation so vast beyond anyone's possibility to ever pastor, except that we have as our pastor, as our advocate, as our comforter, we all have, through faith in Jesus, the say We have the Holy Spirit. He is dove, he is fire, he is oil, he is wind. He is wind. Wind, literally the meaning of the Hebrew ruach, the Greek pneuma, is wind. It's breath. It's breath. In John 3, 8, the Bible says, the wind blows wherever it wishes and you hear it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with he who is born of the Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can only see his effect. The favorite place of mine in the country in 2009 when I was getting my radiation treatment for cancer, we lived out on Highway 10, which runs between San Bernardino and really L.A. and all the way out to Palm Springs. And all the way along that road are these beautiful, beautiful windmills. And sometimes when you're driving along in your car with the air conditioning blowing, you have no idea it's windy or not, but you can look at those windmills and you know immediately how much air is passing through the canyon. And in the same way, we can't see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is a wind, but we can see his effect. 
We can see it in the passionate worship of his people. We can see it in the salvation of the lost and of loved ones. We can see it in a growing hunger for God's word. We can see it in a passion to get free from temptation and sin and live a life that honors God. We can see it in the growing faithfulness of the people who attend our church who have embraced quickly this idea that church is not an optional thing. It's a once a week thing that God has given me and I need it every week. And as I really embrace that, I kind of find myself thinking I might need it more than once a week and that's why I'm in a small group too but we are not meant to live our lives in isolation we're meant to live them together so that we can see the wind of the moving through one another's lives when we think of the Holy Spirit as a dove we think purity and when we think of him as fire it's pure fire oil is blessing wind is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to change us, to change all of us. Hey everybody, stay tuned. We're going to come back and pray with you on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Equip yourself with biblical answers about the Holy Spirit today when you request our new Daily Reflections Bible Study. Inside, you'll find 30 days of teaching and reflections dedicated to teaching you foundational truths about the third member of the Trinity. In the back of the resource, you'll find a message from Pastor James called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. Knowing who the Spirit is and how He fills us are fundamental to our Christian life. During Spirit, we added the Spirit of the Living God music video by Vertical Worship as a bonus feature. Call 800-545-6800 or go to jamesmcdonald.tv right now to request your resource. We're going to pray together in just a moment, but we, we gave three great steps to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Confess all known sin, and I might need a little bit of help after that one, Dad. So then pray, and we can do that right now. Pray and ask to be filled, and then why don't I give the third one after I pray? Perfect. So the thing is you've got to confess all known sin. I hope that you've done that. That's not a complicated thing. It's not a false guilt thing. It's just just bow your head and say, Lord, reveal to me any areas of my life where I failed you, anything where I grieved you, Lord. He'll bring things to mind, and when he does, just confess it and forsake it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Sometimes that's many times a day. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So confess all known sin, and uh, let's begin together. Father, we uh, acknowledge that in many ways we have grieved spirit and uh, said things, thought things, cherished ideas that are not consistent with your Holy Spirit's will for us. And that grieves the spirit and forfeits his filling. So we confess that it's sin. And now we want to pray your word says that we should be being filled with the Spirit. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit of God, just to come now and fill us afresh. Fill us from the tip of our our heads to the uh, tip of our toes and, and permeate us. Fill us entirely and completely. Let every thought be the thought of the Holy Spirit for us. Let every action be the action that's pleasing to you. Let every word pass through the filter of would the Lord Jesus say this. Fill us and control us by your Spirit. Now we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, Landon, do you remember? Oh. 
just lift up your hands and say, Father, I need you. Father, I put my heart back into a position and a place where you can Father, by anything but your Holy Spirit, Jesus. He lives in you. Yes. He lives in me. Get out. 
You're listening to Stingray Music. Unselfishly died on Calvary. Oh, how you gave a lie for me. Bruised, scorned, crowned your head with thorns. No greater love is born for me. Now in your pain, now in your feet, if in your sight, could barely breathe. Could have came down, yet you remain. Standing in awe of the price you pay I never knew of a love so true You gave your life and still I
morning, good morning, good morning, good morning.
Okay, man. Rombosketi de Goskandaro, Combosketi de Gossation, Randa de Gossera, Bosket de Combosket de Gandaka. Horashi de Gossation, the 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 Gossata. Randa de Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossata. Randa Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossata. Randa Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossata. Randa Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossation, the Gossata. Horashi de Gossation, the Gossation, the Gandaka, she de Horomboshki de from Bosque de Gossation, the Gossandra, the Bosque de Horomboski de Gossation, the 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 Gossation, Horomboski de Gossation, 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 Who's going to go station, go station, go Saragadaka? Who's going to go station, go station, go Saragadaka? Who's going to go station, go station, go Saragadaka? Who's going to go station, go station, go Saragadaka? Who's going to go station, go station, go Saragadaka? Who's going to
his friends. Brandon Miller, Hush could go say she to go say she to go say she to Saraga. Hush could go say she to go say she to Saraga. Hush could go say she to go say she to Saraga. Hush could go say she to go say she to Saraga. Hush could go say she to go say she to Saraga. Sakura. Gas station boy, Hush could go say she to go say she to go say she to Saraga. Hush could go say she to go say she to Saraga. Hushaga, Sakura. Lady Walgreens, Hush could go brush could go say she to go Saraga. Hush could go Saraska, Sakura. Diana, hundred of the station goes fishing, 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 Hush, 
Okay, yeah, rolling hot, wide, my parents, city of Atlanta, President Obama, Mastermind Group. Push could go switch, you go switch, you go switch, you go saga. Push could go switch, you go switch, you go switch, you go saga. Push could go switch, you go switch, you go switch, you go saga. Push could go switch, you go saga, sakara. CCC, hold on that, she go switch, you go switch, you go saga. Push it, she go switch, you go switch, you go switch, you go saga. Push could go switch, you go switch, you go switch, you go saga. Push go switch go switch go switch go switch Master Mark TCC Pamela Scotty Hunter go switch 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 go
Okay, we got rolling out wise my parents. City of Atlanta, President Obama, Mastermind Group, Thompson Church, Pamela Scott, Tony Arno, Randall Goddard, 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 Randall Goddard,
Okay, you got Sam Watts, Listen Up, Mattel, Angie, Donald Trump, Bush, Go Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Bush, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Brandon Allen, Bush, Go Go Say Shit, 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 Belinda Husband, Hon Rondo, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Rondo, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Shit, Go Say Jenkins family, who's going to go say she goes to she saga, who's going to go say she Mars business, my business, Erica's business, Erica's church. Eddie's family, who's going to go to she goes 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 to she Investors, <laughs> Hush could go say she could say she said a saga sakara. Girl Erica Church, Hush could go say she go say she go say she go saga. Hush could say she go say she go say she saga. Hush could say she go say she go say she saga sakara. Bob Williams, Hush could go say she go say she go say she saga. Hush could say she go say she go say she saga. Hush could say she go say she go say she saga. Saga sakara. Greek and family. Hush could go say she to go say she to go say she to Saga. Hush could go say she to go say she to go say she to Saga. Saragasa, Saka. Mark Gurley and Kurt. Hush could go say she to go say Wayne Bridges, which could go to the go to Randy goes to she 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 go
Quando você chega, você chega, você chega, você chega, você Richard Malcolm Bryson, Rando Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Rando Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Rando Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Rando Gosishi Gosishi Gosaga, Sakara. Bobby Williams, Girl Erica Church, Tony Brooks, and Pastor Shantim David. Okay, Pastor Mark, who's going to go fishing and go fishing and 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 fishing Mark Charles, Randa Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Randa Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Randa Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Sagra Sakara, and myself, Hushko Gosishi Gosishi Gosara, Hushko Sishi Gosishi Gosara, Hushko Sishi Gosishi Gosara, Sagra Sakara, and everybody else on the list, Hushko Sishi Gosishi Gosara, Hushko Sishi Gosishi Gosishi Gosara, Hushko Sishi Gosishi Gosara, Sagra You want me to try to cut this with water? So we got Satanic Act School Program, Illuminati. Satanic Act School Program, Illuminati. Bail worship. Yana Garanda Gosishi Gosishi Saga. Randa Gosishi 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 Saga. Randa Gosishi Gosishi Saga. Saga Saka. And a crack out. Push Gosishi 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 Saga. Push Gosishi Gosishi Saga. Push Gosishi Gosishi Saga Saka. Is Okay, all four the list. Pick and shine. Run the video the Saga. the Saga. the Saga. the Saga. the the Prisoners and missionaries. Push go go station go station go saga. Push go station go station go saga. Push go station go saga. Saga. Congregation church prison missionaries. Deals and addiction to cease and hospice. Push go go station go station go saga. Push go go station go station saga. Saga. Cease and hospice. 
Okay, what we got? Peace of past all understanding. Grace, mercy, favor. Now we understand. Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds. Randa Renewing of a mind. Renewing and restoration of our Praying for you. Health and restoration. Supernatural, superhuman strength. And that would be all, folks.
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app. Will you put that in this atmosphere? The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? Real simple song. I want to teach it to you tonight. The Lord my life salvation whom shall I fear whom shall I be afraid the Lord my life salvation whom shall I fear whom shall I be afraid I will wait on you I will I will trust in you. Y'all help me. The Lord is my life. Everybody sing. The Lord is my life. Salvation. Whom shall I fear? You say it. Whom shall I fear? No, no. The Lord is my life. Salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I will. I will. I will wait on you. Yeah, say it again. Hey. I will trust in you. Yeah, sing. I will trust in you. The next part goes like this. Listen, I want you to go home singing this. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Give him praise in here. 
Good morning, Mr. Farley. Good morning, how are you? I'm in the I'm out, I won't complain. Don't have none. Think about it, but, ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> All right, now. Sunshine. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so my statement, Good. happy, happy. Oh, joy. Mm-hmm. Going back on you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, but I can't. But it is what it is, so let's keep it moving. Why don't you open up in prayer, dear, before you go on mute? You say, look, I've been praying all week, trying to fill in for you. I'm tired. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
You there? Oh, hello? Yeah, you like real choppy. I didn't know if you was talking or not. Oh, no, I was saying I had told Pam. I said, this is your calling. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> said, he does this every day, all day? <laughs> this is definitely your ministry. I don't mind stepping in when needed, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I. You know what? I'm gonna just leave that alone. Uh-huh. It is. Okay. It is. I mean, yes, God will stretch you, and He'll equip you, and all that stuff. But there has to be a foundation there already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. He don't know who to give it to. Praise God, Sam Farley. There you go. Put oh. you out and everything. Anyway. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> That's why when you said a week, I'm like, oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. What was it, about the third day? You said, what the heck? Huh? No. I mean, no, the week, as long as I know that there's an end. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can, I can pretty much do it, but. To do it every day, I have to work up to it. Like, yeah, praise God. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone. Okay, all right, you then. But um, I was saying is, but he gave it to who he knew would mm. do it, and he knew you would do it. So, amen. You know What's funny is we were in um, Erica's church, because I don't don't know if you were on yesterday or not, but um, I was talking about how much her pastor had changed from the time that we had that conference till, you know, he preached on Sunday. And he was was different, and the church was different. And um, I think he came out of Revelations, but he was talking about in the scriptures that God gave you a new name, and that on that name only you and God knew who that name was. Nobody else knew. So what he did is he took out pieces of paper, white pieces of paper, and he put different things on a piece of paper. And he had Erica and um, the uh, um, other guy go out and pass them out. (laughs) So Erica gave me my piece of paper. I looked on it, and it said obedience. I said, you know what? I just fell (laughs) (laughs) asleep. I was like that little dog. I was like, Yeah. Good morning. Confirmation. Confirmation. Mm. <laughs> Love you. Anyway. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Open up in prayer, dear. <laughs> oh, Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for waking us up this morning in our right mind, healthy body, and activity of our limbs. In spite of our situation, circumstances, and issues, we can still praise your name, and we can still count you worthy of all praise because you are the most high God. You look out for our needs. You you have an understanding heart, and you love us in spite of ourselves as we go further into this call, oh God. We just thank you for Brother Farley being the mediator that you picked for this ministry. We thank you that you give him the strength 
and the wherewithal to do this each and every day, and that he sacrifices time, strength, and energy to do the will of what you need what you need to have done. Lord, we just pray that as we are under the ministry that we increase in our obedience and we increase in our understanding and we increase in doing your will and not our own. Father, as he gives the reading today, let something be said to prick our hearts and cause us to have further uh, relationship with you, which is with the final the final um, reason for this all is for, for us to have a deeper and, uh, understanding of who you are, a deeper knowledge of who you are, a deeper wisdom of who you are so that we can walk and live accordingly to give you, to show your glory and your grace and your mercy towards us and be that light on the hill to draw all men unto you. And so for our good and for your glory, oh God, let us walk circumspectly around every trap snare and um, and hold and mountain and everything that the enemy tries to throw before us to hinder us and to make us stop being in your will. And we just thank you in advance for your protection. <clears throat> Watch over Sam as he finishes everything that he does today. Continue to watch over his house, give him traveling mercy, watch over his family, friends, and seven degrees of separation so that he had no longer that burden that is yoke. Let him be yoked up with you so he will have an even yoke and not be overburdened. In the name of your soul, we pray. Amen. 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 All righty. Good back. morning. Huh? I said good morning. Oh, there he is. He sounds all special and good. No, I have literally, um, I know it's not where we are right now, but uh, after the prayer last night, um, I have just literally been battling and fighting and just, it's been it's been rough. It has literally been rough. Um, after the prayer last night, I I wasn't I didn't kind of feel one way or the other about the prayer. It was more the fact that afterwards, um, I had to get into the mindset of um, what am what am I saying? I got to the mindset of, did I do what he said, or was it myself? And I don't necessarily know if it was a pity party, but I know that it was an attack because I was in the process of doing my business and um, working on business plans and stuff like that. And I'm like, where did this come from? So it was literally just like... It came out of nowhere, and I don't necessarily know how to do this one. And I know that we said that we um, 
I know the word. I know the word, and I know that we said that it was going to have to be this time that I had to live through this, and and the test. I knew how to answer the test, but I guess for me, it's not even knowing how to answer the test. It's more of the fact of um, the negative or the 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 the, 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 the testing or the, the the attack is like you didn't do what God said. You just did that on your own. And then I look at the conference and I see that the people were blessed. And then it's just like, okay. And I, and I feel like ultimately me not working right now and not being at my patient's house is it was punishment. And I don't necessarily understand how that could happen. I do know what my stance was that I had to go preach because that's what I know that God told me. So I wasn't, I'm not mad about anything, but it was just like, it was just, it was an attack that just came out of nowhere. Is that, I guess that's worth what I, what I'm saying. And I knew from us hanging out before two weeks that after the conference, it was going to be an attack on all of us. I guess my attitude is I knew it was coming. I just didn't expect it to be this hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that make sense, or am I just rambling? Oh, it makes perfect sense. It really does. And it's just like, God, you had me to go do that for me to go to do the punishment of, oh, well, oh, you're not working right now. So I know that I could be working on my business, which I am, and I know I could be doing other things, which I am, but I guess it still comes down to the fact of I feel that there is a level of punishment there. And it's just like, and maybe that could be the adversary and just trying to make me look like I did something wrong. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel comfortable. I, I guess I can say that. Well, uh, <laughs> you want to say idea of things um, I'm going to start with the prayer last night that she said for you that this proper clothing because your seasons are changing I went back to the same thing um as far as, I don't even know how to say all this. Okay, so basically, you know, what you're, what you're going through is what all of us have to go through. And that's why I said a lot of times you have to trust the path because you're going to hit a point when you step out in obedience and you do God what God told you to do. But then you look at the results, you look at what happened after that, you look at all of this, and you're feeling like, really? What? purpose all of this then you have to separate your voice your own flesh and you also have to separate the enemy's voice because he'll he'll walk in there as well and your flesh is not in agreement with what the spirit says period it just I, that's what the guy says our flesh and our spirit are warf against each other so our flesh is going to say what the hell you got me doing all this for and look at all it really and now I'm supposed to be, I, so your flesh is going to complain. And see, that's why I break down spirit, soul, and body. So 
so that you can begin to recognize who's speaking because each of them have different natures. So what you're going through right now, your flesh is just on flame. You're pissed. You're mad. Things have changed. And your flesh is going, your flesh is going, we're just giving the enemy strength. Now, you might not see this is what's important. When we're in that place, we have to learn how to shut the hell up. Because we cannot say how we feel because you're feeding your flesh, which will open the portway for the. See, right now it's probably more so your flesh than the enemy. But when you start speaking how you feel, then you're allowing the enemy room to come and enter in. Well, then your enemy, the enemy, which is a satanic entity, which is either riding you or trying to get back in position, will empower your flesh. And so that's how you become overwhelmed, depressed, and like that woman walking around with a gun yesterday because we have given the enemy access. Yeah. He's just, just got to go. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, just, you just got to go through it. Well, I understand that, and, and, I, and I truly totally agree, and I think that the other part of that, in my spirit I sensed that he was dying, my patient, and mm-hmm. I did not want him to leave here. <sighs> I didn't want another one to leave here without me being there. Okay, now I'm going to go to where you told me yesterday about me standing in the gap in authority. You have to stand in the word and let the word be the word and let God be God and not let your emotions take over. And if the Lord allows him to pass while you are not there, that is God's decision, and you have to be at peace. This is the hard stuff that people, you know, so I look at people and go, okay, uh-huh. Because this is the hard stuff. This is the real stuff where it gets hard. It's difficult, but we got to walk this thing out. And that's exactly what Erica was talking about, applying the word rather than just knowing it in your head. Well, mm-hmm. hmm Yep, that's exactly right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, you know, and, and that's when your prayers go, yep. Yep, mm-hmm. You provoked me to get pissed off, and I'm going in. Yeah, yeah. If you keep on messing with me, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna fight you with. Oh, I got. Who's so frustrated? Okay, my brother told me don't say nothing in war. Okay, you got a war in your hands now. Good morning, Mark. <laughs> oh, here we go. Don't you start? Who? Who goes start? Nobody's starting. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> that good morning was dry. And it was oh. Cool. Oh. I love y'all. Y'all funny. Y'all real funny. But you know what, Mark? He is doing a work on all the all the all the key people in the body 
because when he says come out from among them, you mean that thing. And now that he's taking, he's going to start taking you to another level, you're not going to be able to be where you want to be or do what you want to do. Because, again, you are the living, you're living the example that he needs for you to show when someone else goes through what you're going through. We're all going through that one thing at different stages as far as employment. We're all going through that thing in different stages on being obedient to what God tells us to do. So, and start ministering to those people who are believers who have to decide, am I going to stand for God or try to keep my job? You're going to be able to tell them it's hard, but I'd rather live for God than live for man any day. And as far as like the man standing in your authority, we were reading that in Matthew. If, if you're, you know what your authority is, you don't have to be at his house working with him to speak his life, speak into his life for him to still live. As long as there's someone, as long as you believe and he knows what your prayers are, and you know how to speak the authority over his life to keep them here, as long as he wants to be here, then you don't need to be there because you can be right where you are now and speak it into his, speak it, and it shall be so. And I'm going on mute. Hey, um, Erica said, tell me about the prayer. Sam. Like I said, tell you about what? The prayer from um, Pastor Joe. Oh, she's probably talking about um, when he anointed um, uh, me and Mark. It was interesting because, um, and see, I, I, okay, I'm going to have to go back a little bit. And that by the time we got we knew we 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 when I'm saying we I'm talking about the all five of us knew that we want to go down there and establish something. So, you know, I Erica that's Erica's church. She's familiar with a pastor and she knows about him and everything and how he preaches. And we've heard her talk about him on the line a few times. The last time I was there, I was under you know the under older minister. When we went there, we did the conference and everything, and we were there all week. We ended up ministering to him, his family, just all kind of stuff. So, that Sunday I ministered, and then Erica ministered tonight. She want, well, I know what she wanted me to talk about when we got anointed, but I, I'm, go, I'm working up to that. I ain't going to talk about how she boohooed like a, a fool. But you know what, though? Okay. You're breaking up. 
can't hear you at all. Man. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Nope. I know it's the background. That's something. Nope. You're still, people really don't want to see about it because all you hear is the white noise. Okay, that got it. All right, cool. So anyway, so um, I mean everything. I, I'm going. So Jayla came on. I ministered Sunday morning, and Erica did her sermon Sunday um night. That was her acceptance sermon, and her daughter came in, and her daughter really just literally rocked the house. Um. I mean, it was just like, wow. By the time Erica got up there, the, the presence was set, you know. So that was the day after the conference. So we took Jayla back to school. Then a couple of days after that, she sends uh, Erica pictures of her mouth that she's suffering from um, strep throat that she thinks. So she's got to go to the doctor. So I I kind of said, mm, okay. So me and Erica got in agreement in prayer because I already knew this was an attack because she's you could see the shift in the atmosphere at the church and then in her as well. I told her, cause I, I had to explain to Jelly, you didn't just sing. You work with the anointing. See, people can sing, but when you flow with the anointing and like flowing with the power and the spirit of God, there's a difference. And I explained that to her. That's what she did. So I knew that was a straight out attack. So when me and Erica prayed, then when she finally did go to the doctors, first they thought it was strep. Then it got downgraded to tonsillitis. Then, um, then you know we and I told Erica again to stand on Isaiah fifty four seventeen, because I know that again this is a, an attack. So then the next Sunday, which when Pastor Jones came out. Now again I preached and Erica preached that first Sunday, so I'm now I'm hearing him preach the second Sunday. Like I said, we've been there all week ministering to him, just a whole lot of stuff. And what was so interesting was that. When we went in there, pretty much Mark, Mark Gully was pretty much walking around, praying in the Spirit. Now, he told me this afterwards, after we got anointed, but he said when he was praying in the Spirit early, he told, God told him that Pastor Jones was going to anoint us. He didn't say nothing to me then. Because I was, I was pretty much like, I'm off duty. I'm sitting here. I don't want to be bothered. I want to see what happened because, again, I want to see if what was there a change in the church. So when that man got up there and he started ministering, you could tell. Uh, you could see the whole spirit change. He was different. It was just like, and I'm saying different because that's what I was assuming. But when I talked to his wife, she was in agreement and said yes. And a woman told her that they haven't had services like that in I don't know how long. And he could just tell how he was walking in, in, in the power and the gifting of God. And then after service was over, that's when he came and he anointed me and Mark. And again, so I'm saying he's flowing, he's flowing in the gifts now because in the spirit of God, I should say, he's flowing in it because Mark, God told Mark, Mark didn't tell anybody. Then when Pastor Jones called us up there, and he anointed us. Then Mark laid on when we was in the office talking to him. Then that said, oh, wow, he's hearing now. Because literally before he was very solical, he was very coming out, which is what most people do until you learn and God has to teach you to grow in the spirit. 
So to me, it showed that what we were doing was extremely effective, that we weren't just spinning our wheels. And that's what I said earlier, because, see, that's, again, how can you measure if what you're doing is correct or not by the fruit that you produce? If we're doing all this praying and talking and all this other stuff, and we go all the way down there, spend all that money, and come back and there ain't no difference made, we were really wasting our time. But when I saw him, and then it was confirmed by his wife, and the things that was going on, that, got, that let God show me that, hey, dude, you're on the right track. Because I told his wife, see, this is a faith journey for us, too. She might not have known this is our first time out, but this is a faith journey for us, too. So, again, because I'm not trying to waste my time. I ain't got no time to waste. But more than importantly, I'm trying to, as Mark, which Mark was just saying, did we hear from God? Did we do what God wanted us to do? Are we really correct? And so when we see the results and the growth, that's what truly blessed me. Now, what Erica wanted to say is that when we got anointed, me and Mark cried. That's what she really wanted want me to talk about, but I ain't going to elaborate on that. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm going to give her her little cookie because, see, she can't be on to talk about it, but, okay, I said it now. But anyway, and then yesterday to come back to start the call, and then there's a gun woman walking around on my daughter's campus, which, oh, by the way, Nate reminded me, said that, because uh, I talked to Pastor Mark, you know, from Canada while I was down there, and he told me that the enemy was mad at, was, was coming after more, and I'd forgotten all about that. So I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. That's why I sent out a text, you know, we got to watch our households right now because he's mad. He can't come directly at us, so he's coming at those around us, at the closest ones. So, Mark Charles, then you need to stand the gap for your patient and the authority of God, not in your emotions, not how you feel, but if God really had given him to be your charge and you truly believe that God, what God told you, regardless, then you need to stand in the authority of God. You don't have to be there. To speak the word over his life. You speak it and you command that situation to come in line with God's perfect will for the household. Because, see, when they remove you, they remove the anointing of God. And if they truly want what is best, you stand in the power and the authority that God had given you to stand. And you command that household to come in line and you sit and wait patiently and you work on your business. That's not emotional. That's spiritual. Right. You know what, brother? I, I, I that's why my spirit is told me. So, in, in retrospect, my first state is truly spiritual. You're breaking up, Mark. Um, that's what my spirit told me. Everything that you said, so ultimately I'm realizing that my frustration, um, my angst, my anxiety, or all those, whatever it is that you would want to discuss and call it, was, um, it was all from the soul and it wasn't from the spirit because everything that you said, I heard it. I knew it, and I, I can tell you, two, day, two days ago, it was Tuesday at 4.06, I passed by the street, 
And I said, God, if it's for me, I'll go back. If it's not, I'll find somewhere else to go. But I said, and I asked the question, is my job done there? The meaning to work, not me not working there. And typically, I would get a response. You know, um, typically, I would get a response, and then all of a sudden, the atmosphere just changed, and it, it, it was nothing. And I did not understand what that was, so therefore, I was just like, okay. And I said, okay, I was going to call her and let her know that don't let him I mean, don't don't wait till he dies and tell me that he's dead. But then I said no, because I did. Ultimately, I worked my behind off for them and took care of the whole house. So if she can't see and or recognize that, maybe that's not for me. So I was just and and I and honestly, we have been talking about this over and over with all of us. How we get to the place where we say that we're stuck between two popular opinions, and that's exactly where I am at this point. I was crossed between two popular opinions. Should I be there because I know I need to be there or I want to be there, or should I um, basically just kind of make my peace with it and not worry about it? And that's just where I was. Yep. And you know, that's why we have to, I mean, again, that's why we got to separate spirit, soul, and body. That's about the easiest thing I can say because when you recognize, you know what's an even more so understanding the nature of um, what's going on. So we're understanding this nature of your spirit, the nature of your soul, and the nature of that will help to clean, you know, when we're in those places, that will help us to get clarity because, see, what's going on with you also is, is God will is, is going to speak to you and tell you something, and he's going to expect you to stand on what he told you. He's not going to, see, we want to go back for clarity, and he's not going to answer. It's just like you, t- you yourself talk about the prophet that went in one way, and God told him to go out another way, but he went to the lion prophet's house. So it's the same thing. If God says household is going to do such and such and such, then when it goes contradictory, you speak to the spiritual forces and you command them to come in line with what God told you. But we have to get out our emotions in order for that to happen. So yet again, it's you guys. <laughs> okay. And it ain't easy. And, that, and see, this is why we miss it. It ain't easy. And, and and understand that when you're pissed, mad, and frustrated, okay, I'm there. That been, What did I say? That's when we don't say anything. Though we want to. Though we want to, 
And, it, yeah. and, we, and what we say might even be correct. But what is it going to do? See, those are the areas that God is taking you into. And that gets right back again to the prayer that Erica said about applying it. It's a whole other thing applying it than just knowing it in your head. Implying it, walking on it, and trusting God even when it don't look like it's not even when it look like it's not working. Right. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, that's true. Right, give me one second. I'm going to do a little bit of the reading. must desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, I ain't going to laugh. We must desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit experientially if we desire to have power in witnessing for Christ and in combating Satan. More and more people are in hot pursuit of such experience today. But the question should be raised as to what lies behind such a quest. How many covet that they may boast? How many desire more glory for their flesh? How many hope people will fall effortlessly under their power? We must discern clearly why we solicit the power of the Holy Spirit. If our motive is neither of God nor one with God, we certainly will not be able to obtain the power. God's Holy Spirit does not fall on man's flesh. He descends only on God's newly created spirit within the man. We cannot allow the outward man, that is the flesh, to persist while petitioning God to immerse our inner man, the spirit, in his spirit. So long as the flesh continues continues unscathed, the Holy Spirit of God shall never descend upon man's spirit. For man would only grow more fleshly and boastful if power granted to him. Mm. I mean, yeah. 
So that whole thing right there is commenting on what we're talking about. It's commenting on our motives. It's breaking stuff down about, you know, what bottom line, God's not gonna God's not gonna give it to your flesh. He's not gonna give you power and authority to your flesh. You know, people want well, let me say it like that. To some people well basically people want power, period. It's just you know, when I say power, even if it's the power to, you know, pay your bills on time. Even if it's the power to not go into work and still get paid. You know, people want to be able to control their situations and circumstances. So it's really, I mean, that's, again, understanding the nature and where it comes from. But as we grow spiritually, your power must decrease so that God's power can increase. And what he's pointing out, that will only happen experientially experientially, not experimentally. But you will experiment as the Holy Spirit trains you because you're not going to know how to do this right out right. And God has to grow you up in it. And even in that, even in comment on that, you have to learn how to walk and trust God even when it looks the exact opposite, even when he has you to say or do something and you don't see any changes. Or, or he has you to pray for somebody or a situation, circumstance, but it looks like nothing's different happening, but he tells you to keep praying anyway. See, that's what God is doing in our lives as we're growing experientially. And you must understand that, and you must come to know that. It is often observed that Calvary precedes Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is not willing to dispense power to men and women who have not been dealt with by the cross. The path which leads to the uproom in Jerusalem winds by way of Calvary. Now, what does he mean Calvary precedes Pentecost? Calvary is representing the death of of Christ. That means we have to die. We have to die to our will, our emotions, our desires. Can you imagine taking a nail and knowing that you're inside of there and you're going to nail that coffin with you by yourself? Mm, no, no, we pretty much ain't willing to do that. Just think about that right now. You see yourself getting in a coffin. That's you in there, and you're going to nail that coffin shut. You're going to willingly take a hammer, knowing that you're in there, and you're going to willingly nail it shut so that you can't get back out. That's what God desires us to do when he's talking about for us to mortify our flesh. That's why anybody who's talking about all this stuff and great deeds and stuff they're going to do for God, you just kind of, okay. I mean, when you grow, and I'm not condemning because it's a process, but it, it, it has to grow experientially. And the only way that it grows experientially is when you find yourself stuck in your house right now wanting to go over there because you know that you're beneficial, but God says right now you stay here. But you can send my word. (laughs) And you got to trust his word to do exactly what it's going to do when you were there. See, now, that's the kind of power God wants you walking in. 
But see, right now you're agitated and frustrated and mad. And God says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But still send my word and let my word do the work for me and trust it. See, that's what that agitation, because, see, you, you're not there. You don't see it working. You don't see it because you're not there, but you still got to be obedient and do what God called you to do. And trust him for the manifestation. And ultimately, that's what we got to do anyway. Yesterday was a perfect example. Well, well, after we prayed, I got to the point God said it's taken care of. It's taken care of. Do, now, do the work that I called you to do. So I started ministering the word of God. And for the record, as far as I know of, it happened exactly how we prayed. Nobody got shot. Nobody got killed. And the police caught her. As far as I know of, up there, nobody got shot. And, and what was even more so, everywhere that girl went, my daughter had been. <laughs> Which is exactly what Pastor Mark told me, that, that he's after my daughter. Why is he after my daughter? Because we have been obedient. In spite of it all, we pressed our way through, and now it made a change. So Satan really said, really? Oh, well, I, I can't. This is what a bully does. I can't come directly at you, so I'm going to come to get somebody around you that will still have an effect on you. Come on, Mark. What did I tell you about covering your household? So then what God just spoke to my spirit, that's your household you got to cover. Come on, man of God. Mm, mm, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And what did I say? Even in strange households? Hmm. Wow. Wow. That was a revelation to me right there. So you got to cover your household, even when you're not in the midst of it. But his word is still his word. Mm. Wow. Only those who are conformed to the death of the Lord can receive the power of the Lord. Now, see, that's that's what I talked about, the wilderness experience. That you get saved, full of the Holy Spirit, be led into the wilderness. After you go through the trials and tribulations, then you come out in the power of the Spirit. See, it's in that wilderness experience that you're gonna that you're gonna die to self, learn to trust God. You're gonna just just increase and stand. He talked about this yesterday about being hungry, but still being faithful. Hungry meaning what you desire, you're lacking, but you're still being faithful. Confessing the word of God, speaking the word of God. That's Calvary. That's conformed to the death of the cross. Only those who are conformed to the death of the Lord can receive the power of the Lord. The, the word of God affirms that upon man's flesh shall it, whole and knowing, and not be poured. Ezekiel 30 and 32. God's holy oil will not be poured upon the flesh, whether it be exceedingly defiled or highly refined. <clears throat> Where the mark of the cross is lacking, there the oil of the Spirit is absent. Through the death of the Lord Jesus, God pronounces his verdict upon all who are in Adam. All must die. Just as the heavenly Father, as just as the heavenly power did not descend until the Lord Jesus died, even so should the believer not expect the power if he is yet to know the death of the Lord Jesus in experience. Historically, Pentecost followed Calvary. Experientially, being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit follows the bearing of the cross. The flesh is condemned forever before God, and by God is sentenced to death. 
Are we not attempted the impossible if we desire not as death, but rather seek to adorn the flesh with the Holy Spirit, that it may be powerful in service? And you know what? That's what the majority of us will do. Knowingly or unknowingly. You know, and we have to be trained by the Holy Spirit to do differently. Because we're trying to do good works, but God didn't tell us to do it. So we have to be trained. Nobody else can train you that. Because, see, this is the thing. You're doing what you think and know and feel is correct. You've been doing it all your life. Or for however long you've been doing it. And in your own understanding, you see nothing wrong with it. And anybody that said something different, you will more than likely condemn and, 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 and fight it to death. But as you experience something, you read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal something to you, and then you begin to go, wait a minute. Let me read that again. Because, see, now God is speaking to you from the inside showing you something different from the inside. And you begin to go, maybe it's, I, I, I don't know. Now you begin to question. Because before you were, you, you stood your stance, you, yeah, this is it, you were adamant about it. It was so fleshly and you didn't even understand it. But you need the Holy Spirit to tweak you in those areas and arenas because you can't see it. See, that's why I'll be talking about remove the scales from your eyes. You can't see it because as far as your understanding, you're correct, but as far as God is saying no, and it might have been okay for where you were at, but now that I'm taking you here, it needs to change. The flesh is condemned forever before God, and by God is sentenced to death. Are we not attempting impossible if we desire not as death, but rather seek to adorn the flesh with the Holy Spirit, that it may be more powerful in service? What is our intention after all? Personal attraction, fame, popularity, the admiration of spiritual believers, success, being pleasing to man, self-edification. People with mixed motives, those with double mind, should not be able to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We perhaps may judge our motives pure, but our high priest through different circumstances will enable us to know our true heart. Not until the work in hand has failed and we are despised and rejected shall we begin to discern the intent of our heart. I need to read that again. We perhaps may judge our motives pure, but our high priest through different circumstances, will enable us to know our true heart, not until the work in hand has failed and we are despised and rejected. She would begin to discern the intent of our heart. And who any who are genuinely used by the Lord always have gone this way. The time when we receive the power is after the cross has performed its task. And I'm stopping there.
That last sentence said what again? Hmm? What did that last sentence say again? One more time. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. I'm going to start up. The admiration of spiritual believers, success, being pleasing to man, self-edification, people with mixed motives, those of double mind should not be able to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say that right there, people with mixed motives, a lot of times you might not even know your motives are mixed. We perhaps may judge our motives pure. Our high priest... That's God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, All right, can you mute it? Okay. We perhaps may judge our motives pure, but our high priest through different circumstances will enable us to know our true heart. Not until the work in hand has failed and we are despised and rejected shall we begin to discern the intent of our heart. Any who are genuinely used by the Lord always have gone this way. The time when we receive the power is after the cross has performed its task. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So in other words, after you've done this and you look like a fool, it ain't working, and then you go through your pity party, you get upset, you get mad, all the stuff that you go through, then you begin to really discern who, what, how, when, where, and why. And again, you can't really do that because, see, the thing about it, people as a whole, and you even have to um, transform what you think is successful. You know, because what we think is successful, what God thinks is successful, a lot of times it's two different things. You have a tendency to study the why something happened more so if you fail, because you want to know why you failed, what can I do to make it better? After you get wise, then you begin when you have success, well, what can I do to make it better too? But as a whole, when you fail, if you choose to get back up and fight again, that's an option. A lot of times you'll pay more attention after than you will after success. It's just the nature of who we are. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, um, as you were saying that how we have to apply, and then even when we hear from the Holy Spirit, we need to be obedient to what he's telling us. 
And, you know, when you apply something, chances are you may not see the result right then and there, but it might take a little bit for everything to come together. But you still need to be in line of obedience to apply. I had talked to one of my customers, and she was always complaining about she's hurting. I said, well, have you tried going to a chiropractor or either seeing if they can do something to um, alleviate, help alleviate that pain? And she said, well, he gives me medications. I said, are the medications working? She said, no. I said, okay, well, go to a chiropractor, maybe with him trying to get your spine back in line to alleviate some of this pain that you're having. And she said, but if I go to him, he's going to put me in pain. Well, ain't you in pain already? Because the pain that she's in right now, if she don't do anything about it, it's going to come to a point for where she's going to be stuck there because now the bones are calcified to a new form. But if she goes to a chiropractor, it helps to realign the bone so that way the flow of energy needs to go to where it needs to go to in the body, then can start healing her. If you ever knew somebody or if you've gone through it yourself where you wind up um, knocking a joint out of place or either breaking a leg, they have to reset it. When they reset it, it's not going to be a good feeling. But it's a method to you getting better. I think we often say we all don't like going through pain, but some pain we have to go through in order to get better. So for that, we have to step out of that physical part of us and go more into that faith part in order to realize the patience, the strength, and the endurance that we pray for in order to get better. And then we do have another group of people, they like to stay in that rut. But until they realize they need to change their wording and their insight, that's the only way they're going to come up out of that. And especially for something that you've been into for years, okay, after years, you've been feeling it going against you. Now, in order for you to return, now for you to be able to backtrack and get better, okay, your body's still going to go through some aches and pains just to go back to the world and get better. But until we start with it like that, we're going to be afraid. We're going to be stuck in our physical. And then in the meantime, we're going to be stuck into complaints. Well, what you're explaining is that's the purpose of the trials and tribulations we go through and how God uses them to perfect us, right. to grow us up, and to draw us closer to him. Mm-hmm. We view it as hurt and pain. I says, oh, it's the tool that I'm using to get you to come see me. Uh-huh.
I was looking at something the other day, and it was showing this grid, and it looked like it wasn't stable. But you had all these people walking across the bridge, somewhat across, and they were confident that they could make it across. Some people went across, and they were crawling and crying because they were afraid of heights and didn't have faith that that, that that bridge can hold them. Now when they get to the other side, depending on if they were coming or going, Okay, now you got these people that get to the other side. They're like, ooh, thank God I made it. Okay, but then too high. What you going to do for side? And like I said, that's you. Yeah. Very sure that you made it across once. Okay, and if God tell you to take another another um, leap of faith and take it across the So usually when we hit those spots, that's what we usually try to try to rationalize everything to get out of what he's telling us. But in the meantime, here he told us he got us. You can walk out on faith. I got you. I miss criticism. Nope, I'm just saying, man. Yeah. All right, anybody else got anything? Hello? Yeah, I'm sitting here. Hi. Can you hear me or no? What did you say, Mark? Um, one thing that you um, you have to take in consideration is that, yes, we all have this opportunity to take this leap of faith called life. It's just not opportunities. It's just not, um, it's just not um, becoming rich. It's just not becoming uh, stable. It's just not becoming one who is sick and then become healed. It's all a leap of faith and it's all an actual opportunity for us to um, know that this is what God has said and this is how he's doing it. But yet you know, we have to understand and know that despite of the fact that him being God, despite of the fact of him having all power and, and, all of, all, and, and having anything and everything that we need and it being accessible to us through him, we still have to understand that you, when you're even going across that bridge, that's not the issue of going across the bridge. The issue of going across the bridge is simply the fact that, Lord, I hear you. Lord, I know this is what you have said. 
But, Father, right now, I need my faith to line up to your words to know that I can walk on water because my physicality in my mind says that you are 245 pounds. You can't do it. The physicality in my mind is saying that, wait, if you do this, what's going to happen if you don't have a parachute? If you do this, what's going to happen to those people that you leave behind because you are stepping out and doing something that is totally against the grain, totally different, and totally unexpected? So with all of that being said, you have to understand that God still has the has the say so and the know with the know it all to do have us to do these things. But literally, what you're saying is yes, you can walk across the bridge. Yes, other people have made it, but because of who we are and what we do, we have to get to the point of making sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that what we say and what we speak, how we live and what God is saying and doing in our life lines up so when we have the challenges, we have to know that it is of God and that it is not going to basically be the place that we die. Because here it is again, you're talking about crossing something that is unknown. We don't, it's, a, it's an unknown there. You're talking about crossing something that is uncomfortable, but literally in that place, we have to have ourselves positioned and postured to the place that we understand that God has us, because it's an uncomfortable position feeling as if you are out there by yourself, even if you're on the bridge with people, because they don't believe like you do. They don't see like you do. They don't hear like you do. They don't walk like you do. They don't talk like you do. So now God what? Because I, I have friends that are in this walk that go all over and preach, go all over and get numerous amount of dollars and checks. And I just look back and say, God, where is the word that you want them to preach? Because I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. Not being judgmental, but I'm just saying that they're not doing what we on this call are doing. And I'm not comparing, and I'm not just basically competing. I'm just saying that they're doing it for the the fluff and the fashion, the flame and the flair. And this is our walk. This is our journey. This is who we are. This is what we are in, 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 in embedded in us. So my challenge to you is not just basically crossing across the bridge. It's understanding that. Everything that we do is a faith walk. Waking up and basically giving God praise is faith that basically I'm going to have a next breath after I say, God, thank you for allowing me to wake up on the, so, um, you, you basically put me on the wake-up list. So ultimately we have to understand that we are a chosen people, but by us being chosen, we have to have the understanding and the faith and the, and the articulation of what he's saying so we can do it, because on our own, we can't. Hello?
Hello? Yeah, I'm just finishing up my juicing. Oh. Okay. And you know what's what's so interesting? Hello? Oh, okay. Right. Alicia, did any of that make sense? I didn't catch it all because I was talking to my son as you were talking. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, is Renee on the line or no? Well, I'm still on the line. Does any of that make sense? Uh, yeah, it did. But um, the way that I was putting when I was saying mine was how our flesh becomes reluctant. And that's usually the bottleneck that gets into our way. And that's us putting ourselves back, trying to put ourselves back into control. But I understood what you were saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna change phones and then um anybody else got anything? If I can gotta find the phone with power. Where's my other phone at? I gotta find that too. Anything before we do prayer requests? I'm sorry. Has anybody else got anything before we start prayer requests? You know what? I was just I was just saying it was kind of interesting that everything. Hold on a second, baby. That um everything that you guys are talking about and are going through, we're reading about. We were doing it. We were reading about it last week, you know, and um, the the <clears throat> the one thing is about the forerunner, how John basically just like John the Baptist, you know, he was the forerunner um, for Christ, and the thing was out of all that he had known, he still questioned if if what he was doing was right, if he was on track, or were they supposed to be looking for another? And so that's where we are now. That's you know, that's what it sounds like, you know, that you guys have been going through since you've done the conference and it's just like saying just like Christ said about John the Baptist, when he went and asked, he had his disciples go, ask was Christ the one that they were waiting for? And Christ was basically like, pretty much like, yeah, but, you know, don't don't stop questioning it now because times are hard. 
don't start questioning it now because you knew all along that what you what you professed and what you believed is correct. But now that it's getting hard and you're not feeling the love that everybody else is was you know that you know that everybody else is tending to give other people you're questioning it but he's saying you know what this is how it's supposed to be there is no pomp and circumstance there is no um you know showers of gold and silver and you know making it rain and all this other stuff because of the love that you have for the realness of who God is and the realness of who Christ is, you won't get the same acknowledgement as your counterpart because you know who the truth of God really is. He's not about the He's not about the bling and the gold and the silver. He's just about the truth. Now, if gold and silver is an effect of that, that's fine. But he says, don't look for that. So, if you don't make another, if you don't make a dollar out of what you're what you're doing for God, then so be it. But you're doing it for God, not for the money that could be made. And that's where a lot of our ministers. Are, are losing their faith in because they thought that once they became ministers that they were supposed to be making all this money and people were supposed to like them and yada, yada, yada. But that's not what he said was going to happen. He said you will be hated when you speak my name. It's not, gonna, it's, it's not, it's not about the celebrity because I'm – because once you start telling people about themselves through my word, they're not going to like you. But he said, I will give you what you need. You will be provided for by someone, someone who appreciate your truth, the truth that you're giving them because in the truth that you give them, they're, they've been set free, and they will show their appreciation to provide by providing for you in your time of need. I'm going back on you. All right, anybody else got anything? Anybody got anything going once? Anybody got anything going twice? Yeah, um, hello? Hello? Can y'all hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hello. Okay. Overall, I do think that what you're saying is correct. I was just talking and I was on mute. And um, I think that 
if we look at it from that mindset, that mind mind frame, we will know that we are doing what God is saying. But with that being said, we have to have that mindset and we have to have that mind of Christ. And and let, the Bible says, let them, this mind being you that is also Christ Jesus. Why? Because ultimately, that's not the first thing that we think about when we are basically challenged in our faith, in our in our walk, and even who we are. We're not. That's not the first place that we go to, and that goes right back to the prayer that um, Erica prayed for me last night. And it was basically my seasons are going to change, and I have to basically be prepared to um, walk in whatever specific um, armor or. Um, armor or whatever um, battle gear, in a sense, that I have to have on because of the fact that it's going to be changing so frequently and rapidly. That's how I took it. So ultimately, it goes to the point of doing what God says and having his mindset of how he wants you to do it because other than that, there's no way for you to figure it out and get it done yourself because we can't. So we truly have to have his mindset when it comes to the fact of us walking out and doing what he wants us to do because ultimately us doing it on our own is mind-boggling and mind-blowing because it's not going to turn out how our flesh desires of it to turn out. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Because the thing is, our flesh wants it to be comfortable, and it's not going to be comfortable at all. I mean, case the point about what you're going through right now. The thing is, it's like, be aware of that, that the more you walk in the will of God, there will be there will be things thrown at you from the enemy to make you turn back or make you look at it and doubt what you're what you're doing and the persecution and it'll feel like persecution, but it's just the enemy trying to put that whisper of of confusion in your ear to rethink your your stand for God. Like like Lord, is this what you want me to do? And just how Christ said, you know, basically don't ask me that. You already know. You already know this is this is you've been doing it for this long and now you want to question it. Understand that this yes, you're on the right track. You know. Um and that um Yes. No. Second one. Okay. So just just be aware of that. Just be aware of that. That that's what the enemy. That's what his job is, and he and he is self-employed. He's the entrepreneur of it. I mean, think about it. He left his job that he was doing for God to go and branch out on his own. So, but the thing is, he's, he is a one-trick pony. 
He is a one-trick pony, and that is all he has to do is put a seed of doubt in your ear. And then we we are the ones who either let it fester and grow or we kill it before it can get any bigger. And he hopes that we let it grow and and then get thrown off of our course. So you you know Mark. You know that he's gonna come at you harder because it took you it took you this long to really say, Okay, God, you know, and so for you to totally do a one eighty the way you did and then, you know, and then just take off. He's like, what the? Oh, okay. I got to come at you real hard and shake you real hard so you'll back back up. So don't do that. But this, don't this start point, like I said, it now. Right. At this point, at this, even, even I, I hear you and I understand exactly what you're saying. But at this point, I don't have nothing else. At this point, I don't have a resource to base it. And I'm not talking about a job. But I'm saying I don't have anything else to depend on and lean on it and comprehend and understand. I've always heard him. I knew he was talking when he was talking, and I ignored him. I knew he was still talking. Mm. But at this point, I have made the decision that this is all that I got, and I'm not going to go back. It's not about the opportunity of pushing me back. I've already made the decision that I won't go back because that place was a dark and and it was a it was a horrible place for me, and I understand and realize that now, but it was not the best place for me and because it wasn't the best place for me, I ultimately was in a situation where my spirit was dying and didn't know well, I knew it. But I did. I just basically ignored it because I just did, and it wasn't anybody in particular. It was just the fact that I just made the decision. But I have made the decision now, at this point, and like you said, it is a one eighty. I have nothing else. The Bible says, "For God I live, and for God I die." Ultimately, that's all that I got now what he said. Reluctantly, I might kick and scream and, and, and kick a rock. But he knows you're going to kick that rock a few times, but I know that you're going to move now. And that's where I am. Ultimately, I, I know that I have to move. Ultimately, I know that I just can't sit there and waddle. Ultimately, I know that I have to work while it's day and whatever he has given my hands to do um, I can do it. Ultimately, like I said, the business that he gave me can yield me much more money than I made sitting there taking care of a patient. And I still have an opportunity to do my own work. Yes, it takes time to do so, but once I get it down, the um, the lady told me that it would take, well, I mean, the book told me that it would take 45 minutes to make a yarmulke at this point. I know that there's, there's I know that the, the business is lucrative. I've seen it on 
and, and then I, I started to doubt those things and not have faith. I know how to make T-shirts. I make T-shirts every day. I make T-shirts for the conference. So now going into my business, making the T-shirts and the and the um, and the keepers. Now the devil's gonna say, "Well, can you do it? How how are you gonna do it? You don't know how to sew." And, and those are the things that I'm saying that. Well, God, this is what you said. I know it's not easy, and I know that we have to walk it out. But I need you to help me through the process. And literally, Sam said it yesterday. You know the end but you don't know how you're going to get there. Literally, I was sitting there at the table at my desk, and God says, go look at that paper. Well, the template, it's a plastic. And he says, see if it will fit on the silhouette machine. Like, it perfectly fit on the silhouette machine. So literally, versus me trying to cut out a pattern and it be wrong or crooked, I have a machine that basically cuts out anything that it could, anything I wanted to cut, and it made the actual patterns that I needed by itself. I had to do nothing to sit there and wait for it to cut, and then I wonder if God is going to be there with me. That's the that's the trauma from the actual fact of not knowing who we are and, and questioning God. Are you sure? Because that machine has been looking at me the whole time. I know what it does. I only had the mindset of it being for T-shirts. I didn't have the mindset of it being for um, anything else other than T-shirts. But I, I realized that God has, that right there can cut anything that I need for my yarmulkes, for the T-shirts, for anything. It can cut any type of material just as long as you have the right needle. But I had to get to that place. I had to understand that point. I had to get to that place of knowing that God has everything that we need. And you go back to the widow woman. She said, he asked the prophet, asked her, what do you have in your house? We have things in our house that we can do. We can basically put our hands to and be tangible. And this is what God is expecting us to do now. Leap out and do what I'm saying. Going back to the bridge. Go do what I said. Do it how I said it. And now see what the results are. Amen. All right, anybody else got anything? Let's just talk to Pastor Mark over over the um you know, he's and he's fine. I, I was like really glad to hear that. So Okay. Yeah, that was all. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
I talked to him when I was in Atlanta. I had to buy a, um, because I got straight talk, so I had to buy an international card. You need to bring that down just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad he's okay. Because, you know, I have been asking about him, so. His daughter had triplets, so he's been being grandpa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 So, uh, Bobby got that. That's a little busy. Okay. Anybody else got anything? Everybody got a game going once. I got anything going twice. I got anything going three times. Oh, there she is. Prayer request time. You can pray for me, sir. And she's there. She's always there. She goes nowhere. Oh, hi, Reese. How you doing, guys? Sounds like you're a little disappointed by that. Oh, baby, you know, you know, it's always a pleasant thing to hear your voice. It's just such a thrilling moment in my life. Okay. Anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and pray. He miss you. He loves you, Erica. <laughs> uh-huh. Baby, if that's love, I don't know now. That's the love of a brother, though. You know that Thank brother that be like, I uh, want to give you a, you know, give you the look on top of your head every time we see you. That's that kind of love. The one that you want to jump on and strangle when you see him. <laughs> the one you want to stick your hands through the phone and just take a grab of his neck and squeeze ever so gently. <laughs> all right, all right. I have two hands. I can reach out to you too. There's nothing wrong to reach out and touch somebody now. Go back on mute with all your static sounding like you're in a hole. <laughs> I was just kidding. It was just a joke to make myself feel a little bit better. But I love you, sister. Mm-hmm. You don't love me back? Uh, you don't love me back? Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I showed you. You're going to need me one, uh, one soon day. It, it might be in the next few minutes. Go fish. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. You know what? Whatever. Anyway, you ready, woman? Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm going to just go ahead and pray for you. That's your best bet, because I have a feeling I know where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let me pray for your children. Grande go station go rambo food go station dos kuru go mbodo rande go sadesk kuru go mbodo rase de kadaka. Yes, yes, Father God, we praise your holy name. Sakra. Pray for the adults. Push the negotiation, 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 negotiation,
Let me pray for Brandon. You gotta gotta go to the cow, Rambosca to go to the Angie Hushka to the Irish Grandra Drake Randy to go to the Lorenzo Grandra to the gentleman call Randra to the Gada and anybody else father. Bosca to go to the Gosaraka. Bosca to go to the Gosada. Bosca to go to the Gosaraganda was the Gosaraga. Bosca to go to the Saraga, the disc of Gosaraga. Bosca to go to the Gosaraga. Hospital station to go to Boskaraga. Horomboske, she to go to Sandaka, she to go to the Gadaka, she to go to Sandaka. Hoshka to go station to go station to go station to go Saraga. Sakara. Okay. You ready for your prayer there? I don't know how I am. A few minutes, we'll probably get cut off, but anyway, I'll get it started. Nope. Pamela. Yeah, what's up? How much time we got left? Uh, probably about four minutes. Okay, well, I'll get started. If we get cut off, we just call back in. Okay, um, yeah, that's what the Lord wants me to do. So, we're going to play a little game, Mr. Aresia. Come on. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and when I tell you to, I want you to shut your eyes, and you tell me what the Lord shows you. So, so I shut my eyes. Why are you praying after? Kyle, you can shut it after I pray. I mean, if you feel that oh. like I'm praying, it's fine. But definitely, when I stop, you definitely. Mm-hmm. Don't try to Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hobuski dikira. Oh wow. Whoa. Ski dikira rambo. Oh yakadi hehe nero kumboko. Oh diki yes, Father God. Ha kaya ro yes, Holy Spirit. Yamboko dikira gosaka. Thank you. Hobuski dikira kanda. Yes, Father God. Ya na ha 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 ha. Shout out to diki. Hmm. What'd you see, dear? Okay. I just closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 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 Something dripping in green. Okay. Almost like a faucet. bunch of chairs and they're all assembled and lined up in the same place. They're not it's not chairs that I see. 
I don't know exactly what it is that I see, but the thing that I see is they're brown, and it's a lot of them, and they are lined up one behind another, and it's a whole lot of them. So something dripping in green, an assembly line of people, chairs, et cetera, and it's a whole lot. So we're going to just say a multitude. Mm-hmm. But there is in one, you know, one or two lines. It's not like it's, you know, a, a hundred lines and however many in each row. It's just I only see about two lines, but it's a a lot of them. It's a lot of it's a lot of them, and it you know like um, how can I describe it? Hmm. You know, like when you put. You know, when things have a, like they fit together? Mm-hmm. And that's how the things are assembled. It's an order to it. It's not chaotic. Mm-hmm. Right. They're the same thing, but they're assembled, and there is just like they are lined um, or put up appropriately. And, yes. and I'm going to say not only is it an order to it, it's also progressive because you said they kind of fit together. Mm-hmm. So one will lead to the next, which will lead to the next. Mm-hmm. It's like if you like if you put, um, you know how, what's the best thing that I can describe? You know how when you see, if you've seen some of the Greek uh, shows when the organizations are stepping and they are assembled like behind each other and, mm-hmm. you know, like the person have their legs open and the person is sitting between their legs, 